Hi there, guys. I'm here with uh, Jamil today, and we're going to talk about everything IT, photography, and yeah, how you started, how you ended up here, and what brought you into Bahrain. Well, thank you, Hamid, for uh, having me today. It's uh, well, it's wonderful to uh, maybe uh, be part of this show, and I think this is probably the first time I've ever have a, like you know I'm on a show like this. Really? So it's fascinating, and I love photography. I'm quite. Uh, I'm used to see those those cameras, uh, you know, staring at me. So uh, <laughs> you get used to it very quickly. So it's quite interesting to meet you, and I'm very fascinated about your place as well. So yeah, thank you so much for inviting me, and uh, you know, uh, no, the it's, pleasure. It's a great honor to to be on your show, and I think what um, drew my attention is is the, the idea that you're basically trying to uh, share thoughts and ideas from people in, in, in various industries mm. so that maybe the younger generations can learn and be inspired about successful people. So I think that's what really uh, caught my attention. I Thank think. you very I much. I don't know sir. how you managed to get my, uh, you know, uh, I can, I can I tell you, I can tell you. <laughs> maybe somebody referred you, but. No. <laughs> so so what, what we always try to do is I, I always try to find for people who I find interesting. Right, because if I don't find them interesting, I'm not going to be able to have a good right. conversation with sure. them. Because I, th I've never wanted to do like a typical style interview where it's you know hard questions and it's very repetitive. Yeah. I always wanted to have like like we're having coffee, <laughs> you know? Absolutely, absolutely. Yes. And and so what fascinated me was 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 your 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 position of how you went from consultancy into now being a CEO, yeah. right? And and I mean this is some people is typical in the consultancy world. Other people go, you know what, I'm yes. happy being a consultant yeah. and then maybe I'll join a startup or whatever else. Yeah. And especially with your experience in, 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 in being in banking. Uh, <laughs> sorry. Yes. <laughs> Your basic expression. Yes. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I mean, it's, it's, it's definitely a, an interesting uh, career so far. I think mm. That's, mm. that's how I, sh I should sum it up. Probably I had a very good inter uh, sort of um, opportunity probably in my time early in, in the 90s, right, early 90s. Uh, but because I graduated from the UK, so uh, that kind of uh, kind of put a lot of pressure on me just to, uh, you know, uh, do something here in Bahrain. I could have stayed in the UK, uh, and I actually um, was approached when I when I finished my degree there, um, just to remain in the UK. Uh, mm. But I actually wanted to come back to Bahrain and uh, be part of this uh, fascinating nation. But back then, obviously, things were different. Uh, a lot of opportunities, and probably if if uh, you know if if I graduated today, I probably my vision would be different. I'll probably have much more global horizon on what I can do there. But I think uh, back then, uh, Bahrain was, was, was actually quite booming and there was so many opportunities, specifically in banking. Uh, this is where actually where, where I really wanted to, to kind of be. Uh, so yeah, so that's what, what happened. So I graduated in 1991, mm -hmm. but I, I studied in normal government schools here in Bahrain. Uh, and then uh, I went to uh, Newcastle. That's mm. where I first, my first landed in Newcastle. I just had some friends and my some family. Uh, members were in there, so I just that's where I started my um, my education, and I then moved to uh, Wales, and then eventually I ended up in Huddersfield mm. University, and that's where I completed my degree. Uh, so I was actually associated with Babco at the time, uh, but I did uh, engineering systems, computing, and control, uh, and I was an instrument engineer for a while, um, and then, um, well, unfortunately, uh, that didn't click. Uh, in what I really wanted to do at that time. My, my passion was more into, you know, computers and uh, digital electronics rather than oil and gas and instrumentation. So I, I had an opportunity um, with uh, Gulf Business Machines, which is uh, IBM Yes. Um, at the time. And it was the right time because uh, early 90s, um, the Gulf War was just uh, over. Wait, yeah. And 
it was booming in terms of you know rebuilding Kuwait. Um, so I was in Kuwait for uh, a number of uh, months, uh, just rebuilding some of their infrastructure when it comes to computers. Uh, and then I moved into UAE, um, working with various government, again with an IBM, but again installing let systems. Let me interrupt you so we can go by piece by piece sure. by piece. W with the 90s, especially with the dot-com bubble just mm. happening or just in the midst of it, was it very difficult to, to convince a lot of people who are restructuring right now Kuwait to say, hey, you know what, the internet is the future? Or, or well, <laughs> no, you see, the internet wasn't there yet, right? Ni 90, this is 91, 92. Two. Okay. So, uh, you know, nobody heard of the internet yet. It was 1995 when the internet really became synonymous. Mainstream. Uh, yeah, yeah, mainstream. So at that time, it was just before the There were some people talking about it, but it wasn't really, um, a, you know, a well-known kind of um, technology at the time. It was until 95, but then I was in a different world then. <laughs> yeah. I this is just much earlier in the, in the career. But then I moved into the UAE, and I spent about uh, seven months there, again, working on various projects for IBM. Then I moved to Oman uh, after that, and I stayed for about a year, uh, again with IBM. Uh, but then I got an, an a great opportunity uh, to move into banking, and that was where my passion was. So I moved to uh, Investcorp Bank uh, back in uh, 1995, mm -hmm. and I was with them till 2007. So mm -hmm. I spent about uh, you know 12 years. And actually, my time at, at Investcorp shaped my future because they were ahead of everyone, every other banks in Bahrain uh, in terms of technology, in terms of their um, infrastructure, infrastructure. Um, uh, you know, uh, the corporate world uh, wasn't really uh, well established back then, but Investcorp had a very advanced corporate, corporate um, structure, right? They had offices in London and New York uh, and Bahrain, so they were very, very much advanced in, um, you know, how they uh, ran their business at that. And it was fascinating. At that point, was banking still separated here in Bahrain between personal finances and investment banking? Well, investment wasn't really a big thing. Investco was the first bank to introduce Do investment uh, banking. banking. Right? Okay. Um, so investment wasn't really a big thing. Um, uh, so Investco took took the lead uh, in terms of really um, spreading the uh, the um, the investment uh, kind opportunities. of opportunities for, for, for investors in, in the region. So it was fascinating, it was a very big name, and I was very, very excited to join that organization. Mm. And I was right, uh, okay, from my experience at the, you know, at, at the, uh, at the bank uh, back then. So it was really, very, uh, you know, reputed location, and I learned a lot, and I built a lot of knowledge, uh, which even till today, I am actually, you know, benefiting from that, to Th be honest. I imagine. It I shaped imagine. my career. I imagine. I imagine. Yeah. And then you, how did you then go into consulting at some point? Well, oh, that was much, much, much later. later. Sure. Uh, but then um, in 2007, uh, I found myself uh, probably cornered and I couldn't move up and I couldn't move left or right. Yeah. This is, the, this is the advice I want to give to various people uh, who are going through like uh, their mid career. You know, don't stay. I mean, y even if it's, if it's a fantastic place and you love and you find yourself stuck, just make a move. In my world, and in Arabic, we say, you know, when you move, you know, if you move, there's always something there for you. If one door closes, there multiple doors will open. That's the, the positivity I want to spread. And a very positive person by, by nature. Yeah. <laughs> <So> <laughs> of you know, course, hope, you can I tell. I, you know, I can reflect that. A very positive, very optimistic person. So I said, look, I mean, I, I can't continue here. Uh, I took a decision to move to Bank Masnat International as a slightly higher position. But that wasn't really the reason. I'm not really uh, someone who's looking for positions. I'm more of someone who's looking for challenges. Cheers. So I'm a challenge guy. I, you know, I, I hate to be 
uh, kept in, a, in an operational environment. It, it kills my passion and, uh, you know, uh, career, actually. So I had an opportunity and I moved there. They were uh, uh, transforming the bank at the time. Uh, and I said, wow, this is fascinating. So I, I jumped in, uh, although I, I took one step back <laughs> so mm. that I can really jump higher. Really, that's the whole idea. Uh, so I actually kick-started the transformation for the bank at that time, back in 2007, 2008, and actually um, uh, managed to do an architecture for the bank, which they're still using today. I'm uh, very proud of it. Um, and I think even after the uh, merger with Assalam, I think some of the technology, which I have basically Developed. planned back then, is still being used. Oh, that's like, fantastic. for example, their core banking system, the mm. Caminos 24, it's called. Mm. It's still being used, so which mm. is really fascinating. I hope they're still using it. But, uh, you know, it was really, it was good experience. But then um, in 2008, um, uh, a friend of mine hmm. um, who was uh, heading uh, Bahrain Muntalikat Holding Company called me, uh, Talal Zain, I mm -hmm. think he's a very well-known personality, and I love him. He's a, he's a very close friend and a very fantastic personality in Bahrain. So he called me if I could maybe join Muntalikat to uh, lead some uh, major projects for the um, entities owned by Montelicat. Again, that's yet another challenge. It's a much mm. bigger challenge. And this is what I love to do. And, and I jumped in, obviously. And uh, I was with them for about four and a half years. And what do you feel like gave you that opportunity? Do you feel the reputation that you carried throughout your career, that you were the kind of individual and saying, hey, you know what, guys, I'm happy to be challenged. I'm happy to work on bigger projects. Oh, absolutely. There's Ab no question, Hamad, on that. I think if, you, if you're a person who is a relaxed and uh, someone who just you know, likes to live a normal life, then probably you won't be noticed. If you're someone who is always looking for challenges and you show it, right, in, in your successful um, projects and successful activities, people will notice that, right? And how, how much is failure part of your success? Oh, failure is very important. I think... Um, because I'm just assuming that a lot of people are listening right now. Yeah. They're going to go through their head saying, hey, you know what, I would love to one, I, one day get these kind of opportunities. How could I, you know, make myself aware? How can I show to people in the industry and being yeah. like, listen, yeah. I can, I'm willing to work. I'm willing to, to dream. I'm willing to go bigger. But at the same time, they have that fear of failure going, you know what, what happens if I fail? What happens if I become infamous? Yeah. Well, I hate failures. <laughs> Who doesn't? <laughs> I hate failures. But this is the reality. I think um, it's so many quotes, right, saying, look, if you haven't failed, if you don't fail, then you can't succeed. Um, so I think, I think failure is part of the learning process. Um, as long as you, you know, get up and jump up and, and learn from that failure, right, I think um, you won't benefit from it. Some people fail and that's it. And they don't really um, wish to um, regain strength to do better. But that's not me. I think, I think the advice I want to give is, like, if you fail, I think it's, it's quite normal. I think um, I have failed in many, um, for example, um, in my A-levels <laughs> back then, I did so bad. <laughs> you know, I was really a, like an A-star student in Bahrain, and then I go to the UK and I fail. I mean, I feel your pain. It was bad. It was really bad. But then did I stop there? No. I had, uh, I had to jump and fight, and I managed to get into university. Right, uh, there's, there's various ways, and I did very well after that. Right, so failure is, is part of the learning and the building of the career. I think it's very important. It's just you know don't fail and, and stay and, and become extremely pessimistic. Mm. There's huge pessimism pessimism in Bahrain at the moment, mm -hmm. and negativity in Bahrain is horrendous. Um, I'm, I, I, I when I talk to people, especially those who have retired, I said, guys, don't spread negativity around you should be positive 
Absolutely. Right? Because that's it for them. People, that's it. The, the, the career is over, and they, 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 instead of maybe you know encouraging people and inspiring people, I see a lot of negativity in there, and this is really daunting. I see it on social media, on WhatsApp groups, and I jump in. I'm uh, you know I'm very well known in, in, in keeping people quiet when it comes to spreading negativity as if the whole world is is is, is over it's doom and gloom i think Absolutely. it's again i think it's a social media aspect again oh. it only brings out the worst and i think human brains are programmed almost to see negativity more than positivity just because whatever is negative could be a threat to your life therefore from a survivability from evolutionary biology perspective yeah. Yeah. i think that's why our brain is is so driven and being like oh god you know there is something there what is going to happen with the environment? What's going to happen with the economy? Mm -hmm. I think that's that's the reason why. And I think it takes a lot of character and a lot of self-discipline to be like, hey, you know what? This is the negativities. That is what it is. Mm -hmm. But here's how we can build from it. Here's how we can improve from it. But a lot of people just get stuck in the bottom. Exactly. And that's it. I mean, because the nature of Bahrain being a small country, mm. um, that's probably contributing to that as well. And people are not really seeing what's happening outside the world. And I always say to people, you guys need to travel. Just see, just go to Hong Kong. Just you have a completely different perspective of life just by being in a large, active, vibrant countries. You say, oh, okay, this is not the, you know, the whole world is not just Bahrain, right? It's a fantastic, beautiful country, but there's a lot more going on outside in the world Absolutely. than what's happening in Bahrain. Yep. Yeah, so that's what my advice, I think. So really, I, I then uh, continued to be with Bumtelakat. It was a fantastic, probably one of my, my kind of uh, most uh, enjoyable mm -hmm. periods of my career, I think. Uh, be part of the... Uh, Bahraini kind of um, uh, sort of um, owned uh, entities and Bahraini owned investments. And that's really fascinated me. Um, it was like a national duty, right? Like national responsibility to, to be part of that and, and try and build um, some sort of a, a, an economy based on that. So I was very much in involved in, in establishing a framework for all the government owned entities the likes of the Telco and the Alba and, and Gulfair, uh, National Bank of Bahrain, all these are all uh, you know uh, entities owned or at least part partially owned by the government of Bahrain. Mm. So I was involved in all these companies mm. to try and create some sort of a framework. I've met GC a few times, by the way. Pardon? I met JC a few times, by the all way. Right. Yeah, okay. they're the CEO from Metelco. Right. Yeah, yeah, oh, yeah. Yes. He's supposed oh, yes. to come on as well. Oh, fantastic. Yeah, I yeah, think yeah. He'll, uh, share some really good ideas. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think it's fascinating. I, it's, it's fascinating how a French man somehow ended up in Bahrain yes. <laughs> working for Metelco, oh, well. all things. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> I, think, I think it's a great company. I think uh, there, there was a lot that we've done with them uh, when I was at, at Montalakat. Uh, and then I decided to move into consultancies mm -hmm. in 2012. I, I basically established a platform. I completed a, uh, an infrastructure when it comes to you know, uh, their ERP, which is the Enterprise Resource Planning System for the financial for the entire uh, company. And then this is where I reached another level of saying, oh, you know what? <laughs> this is the time. So when, it, when things turn to, to operational, this is where I don't really uh, shine. I don't really uh, deliver. Uh, and I don't, I'm not that person that really try and, and relax. Um, I think uh, I always say that until you really, really, really can't do anything, I think you should always keep learning and keep delivering. 1% better every time, oh, right? Absolutely. Every day you wake up and try to do 1% oh, better. Yeah. But yeah. then I moved into consultancies for a couple of years until I, I was approached by one of my friends at uh, Yusuf bin Ahmed Kano, mm -hmm. uh, which is a very mm -hmm. large family uh, business in Bahrain here. And I joined that company to kind of develop their technology business, still within an, like a consultancy role. Framework, yeah. 
But then <laughs> somehow I was pulled into the operation because the company needed a complete digital transformation uh, back in 2013, 14, and I was pulled into that internally. And I became part of the company, part of the group. How, was, how did that discussion go? W were you feeling dread and going like, oh God, I don't, I'm not sure, do I really want to give up being a consultant? Or were you like, you know what, <sighs> I can settle, I can do this. And Tell you what, Hamid, I think, I think look, if the um, challenge was not that great, I wouldn't have taken it. Mm. It's just the challenge was enormous. You know, a company of over 3,500 people spread across the region, the, the, the Middle East actually, mm. uh, with nothing really. It's a green field for someone with a technology background. To me, this is, a, this is, this is, this is heaven. Yeah. You know, there's so much you can do. And the challenge was because I had I never had an, an experience with a family-run business. Mm. My entire experience was with a corporate world, corporate, you know, Sh banking, answering to shareholders, yeah, absolutely, in, in regulated companies. I was I was I was coming from that kind of environment into a family-owned business. That's by itself is a challenge. Mm. There's so many, again, being part of Bahraini culture. There's so many, you know, family relations that that you need to basically watch out for and be part of. Really, I, I so, can imagine. So yeah. I think that's where what attracted me into it, and uh, I was so lucky to, to kind of to convince the, the family, the great family of uh, Kanu, mm. to really to spend and to invest in the technology back then, 2014-15, uh, which they have absolutely, absolutely, um, you know, um, thankful for listening and especially investing. during COVID, I can imagine so my much. God. There yeah, go. absolutely. Especially. <laughs> yeah. So so they, they were a bit ahead of their um, competitors peers, in the red in peers in terms of family businesses. Well we have a number of family businesses when it comes to the um, the kind of infrastructure that they built uh, back in we built back in 2015-16. So, so let me ask you when when you first went and transformed the whole banking investment world were you selling indexes and funds or were you just opening up trying to sell bonds were you just saying like hey you know what let's get started selling shares let's get started and finding you know the the general investor the general citizen and convincing them saying hey you know what yeah. invest yeah you're talking about investcorp here right sure no investcorp obviously does alternative investments so basically they they buy companies at that time specifically in north america and mm -hmm. europe Mm -hmm. Those are the two only two regions that they were investing in. Mm -hmm. So they basically um, scan for uh, companies that are in the growth mode, in a growth mode, or companies that are going through trouble, okay. but have uh, great potential. Okay, so the Warren Buffett approach, yes. where you guys looking for value rather yes, than growth absolutely. in that sense. Absolutely. So they would buy a company, uh, and then what happened with their own money, with their own funds, right? Sure. And they bring it to this region. Sure. And they look for investors in Saudi Arabia, Bahrain, Kuwait, UAE. Fantastic. And they would actually sell up 90% of that company and they keep 10% for their own staff and own management. Um, Fantastic. Right? So the management would work very hard to ensure that the company flourishes because there's a stake for them. Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. That's, that's, that, that's, this is the formula. And hopefully within you know four or five years, the company would transform and would improve in terms of valuation, and then they would sell it again. Usually, they, they would exit from companies around five years. Okay. And hopefully, they will get uh, you know back some uh, revenue and cash rewards to their investors and to their management. Well, and this how is the model? This is the. Uh, the and how long model. was the process for in order to find a company? Anywhere between six months to a year, I imagine. Oh, every year they would scan like hundreds. I would sure. say you know almost seven, eight hundred companies a year. 
Oh, wow. And, and then, then they would pick like three, four companies. Oh, wow. Oh, wow. That, I mean, that's a lot of data oh, analytics oh, to work. Yeah, they, ha they have a huge team. And even today, even um, based in, 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 um, in New York, the other, the other company, the other office is in London. Mm. Mm -hmm. And both they do the similar things. Mm. And they would work with their colleagues here in Bahrain. Um, and then they would market uh, those companies. Now, today, the, the, the bank has completely changed. That's definitely going and going business. But they have so many other businesses, like funds, for example. They have established funds. They're into real estate. Uh, Portfolios. Sure equities. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So they, they have multiple instruments today. But because I'm, I'm really fascinated because right now, I mean, uh, sadly, a lot of international investors are, are, you know, what's the right word, are, are, are attracted by the shine and the glamour of, of a lot of American, Europe, European companies, especially when it comes to anything like a unicorn business, mm. you know, where they're hoping that they're going to get some sort of a multiple of 700, 1,000, you know. They're all hoping that they'll find the next Uber. They're all hoping that they'll find the next, you know, yes. uh, uh, Tesla. And, and I, I think it's a shame that not enough VCs take the take the necessary fund to to invest rather into the region mm -hmm. right I, I mean we have a lot of few startups we have some interesting companies coming about but it's 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 sadly we're still lagging in a lot of ways behind like there's no reason why why there isn't a middle eastern netflix there is one osn yeah. which is owned by kuwait and saudi arabia mm -hmm. which is the closest similar to but it, it, there's not well, one i mean you have noon right noon is sure. obviously competing with amazon sure so that's an example of maybe um, companies that want to basically replicate the successful model of, of you know, um, global companies. Um, I think you're right. I mean, it, maybe the, 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 the numbers are not really that, that good, but there are emerging um, brands that uh, resemble or, you know, perform similar businesses to what's been successful in the U.S. Well, I, I, don't, I, I don't know if, 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 if I would agree with that, that the numbers aren't necessarily so good. I mean, you know, Alibaba trades at a multiple yep. of, of, I think, 10 or 9, mm -hmm. where you have Amazon that trades yep. at a multiple of almost 30, right? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> There's yeah. no justification yeah. on, that, on that share price. There's no justification on why Tesla yep. should, be, should be valued higher mm -hmm. than, than General Motors, right? Yep, yep, yep. So, so I, I, th I think that's, you know, the trick of Wall Street, and I think that that hopefully in the hopefully in the future we'll, we'll see more more necessary projects initiating from the Middle East. There was a company that duplicated Amazon's approach. Uh, I forgot the name of it, Desert or something like that. It was a Desert Card. No, there was another one um, called Souk, I think. Oh, Souk. And that was Souk. bought up by Amazon. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Souk.com. You're right. Yeah. Yes, 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 and yes. so there there is there is I think there is a challenge for these companies that they don't get bought up yes. by, by Western market, right? Well, well, you have Kareem as well, right? Yeah, absolutely. Kareem is another example. Yeah. So there are some companies, but I mean, you're right. I mean, there are not really that many that can benefit from the uh, successful model of Silicon Valley. Um, so I think I think the opportunities are there, I think, in, the, in this part of the world. It just needs people to basically have the faith in developing them. Absolutely. I, I couldn't agree with you more. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. So so basically, back back to what I've been doing, and, and, and quite recently, um, I've been asked to... Uh, develop the technology business again the the Kano group is, is platforms have been established mm -hmm. and everything is stable mm -hmm. and again there we go another <laughs> chance to move off uh, you know move over and and into more challenging uh, activities and that's what I'm doing today so basically um, I kind of because probably with my long time spent in technology so you become kind of um, sort of jaded yeah, and also more of, um, I wouldn't say expert, but actually more knowledgeable of really the underlying issues. 
So, um, so for example, um, a lot of people today don't realize how serious, um, you know, having a, an environment, a technology environment, without being having any protection, any security. So, right? Oh boy! So yeah, 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 yeah. So, yeah, yeah, so yeah, yeah. this this has really caught my eye, and I think, as, as I said, I mean, I I, I once met a uh, one of a director within the Kano family who was refusing to move to the cloud. At the time, I was trying to promote Microsoft 365, which is a cloud email system, as you know. Um, so he's refusing, he says, oh, Jamil, no way I can, you know, I, I don't have any social media accounts, I don't have any email accounts, uh, you know, I like to keep my emails here next to me, next door in my data center. And I said, look, uh, you know, what phone are you using? He said, I'm using a Samsung. I said, bingo, <laughs> there you go. So you are already on the cloud. I mean, you know, so long gone the days where you say, I would just want to be locked in one room. So you, you, you have to expose yourself to some extent. And in doing so, um, there is the issue, right? That's where the issue starts. People don't realize how serious this is. Um, so, so this particular area, which is cybersecurity, uh, it caught my attention probably three years ago. Uh, I was just doing some various uh, projects for the company, and I said, look, oh boy, I mean, there is a huge um, under uh, mining, understatement, under estimation of the seriousness of this issue, right? Cybersecurity. And this was, again, three years, four years. This before even people you know, became synonymous with ransomware attacks. This is quite recent. Now people are probably know this. And, and, and if you don't mind me interrupting, I, I recently read a, a from, I don't remember which journal entry it was, maybe it was Inc. or, or another magazine, and it mentioned that, that most cyberware attacks that happen on firms uh, for ransacking don't actually get reported. Absolutely. Which is, which is even scarier, right? Oh, yes. So there's no even a record of it being kept. Yes, absolutely. You see, um, the, the issue is with technology, and this is where uh, when I sit with executives and boards, and, and this is what I say to them, look, you know, guys, you, your company uh, will be in one of these three states, right? It's either you've been hacked in the past, uh, you know, your network, your systems have been hacked in the past, and you know about it, and you've done whatever you, you, know, you could to kind of uh, overcome that problem, or you're being hacked as we speak, mm. but you don't know this. Mm. You, you are being hacked, your systems are being accessed, but you don't know this, because it's very silent, very, you know, um, undercover kind of operation, or you will be hacked in the future. Yeah, you're this already is, either in one three days. Yeah, yeah, it's one of these three. So, so what's the solution? The solution is really to keep raising your fence and, and, and hoping <laughs> that nothing will happen. And, and, and the reason for that is, uh, Hamad, because it takes about 245 days for a company to discover a hack, 245. That means someone from China, from Russia, my full respect to these countries, obviously, uh, have fascinating people, uh, but obviously, or local most co of or the competitor, <laughs> but you don't know. Most Absolutely. of the attacks seems to be coming from two, the, you know, from these two destinations, and they will probably be around in on the network, playing around, you know, um, posting and positioning various um, sleeping cells, mm -hmm. and you don't know when these will wake up, mm -hmm. and when they wake up, they'll start to create damage. So, what's the solution? The solution is basically to keep upgrading and making sure that your systems, your network, your computers, all protected against these attacks. How, how much of the truth do you believe, coming from the technology field and from cybersecurity, is that the biggest problem is, is the end user? 
Oh, from oh. phishing attacks. Seventy percent. Seventy percent. Yeah. Yeah. I, I'm not sure if you know the the man. He came up with um, that antivirus software, Mac McFree. Uh, oh, McAfee. 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 Yeah. He he explained that one of the things he w he would do was social engineering, where he would actually look up the secretaries for these. I'm not sure if I should. Well, cut this part out because I don't <laughs> want to spread this information. And so what he would do, he he would contact the secretaries for for high position, whether it be government or from personal uh, companies, blah blah blah. Mm -hmm. And he would message them on Instagram, make a fake account, like you know, like a winning or whatever, and saying congratulations, you want a free laptop. Congratulations, you want a phone. Congratulations, yeah. you got you want a laptop. And uh, mo somewhere around 40 to 60% of people were just so happy that they so won something that they got a device that was full of malware. Yeah. And most of these people obviously have the accounts of their bosses, you know, managing calendars, managing email addresses. Mm -hmm. And he, that's how he had that huge abundance of access to, to hundreds of companies and into uh, um, embassies even. Mm -hmm. you Absolutely. Know? So I mean, look, I mean, social engineering, uh, which is really... Um, you know, uh, compromising uh, your own employees. That's, that's what social engineering means. It's sure. the ability to basically, you know, access um, your, your, your staff, okay, pretending to be someone that they know. Okay, that's social engineering. And you can do a lot of damage by, by doing this. This is one of the most dangerous, um, you know, uh, mechanisms to, to uh, attack uh, an organization is through social engineering. Um, so, look, I think, um, I think, Companies and sectors, I mean, I would say in Bahrain here and probably globally, that the three major sectors are really impacted. Uh, the government, obviously, government um, sectors are one of the largest. Especially uh, for impacted. hostile nations oh, or whatever. Absolutely, that's, that's yeah. number one. Second is financial institutions. Of course. Uh, and then third is education. Hmm. Right? Th those are the three sectors that are being ha you know, uh, kind of attacked regularly. Um, now, the thing is, um, you know, uh, a lot of companies today have realized Right, that the investment they they put in in, in ensuring that they have a proper protection, prote pro proper defenses, right, uh, is growing. Right, that there, there's a lot of awareness happening. The issue is, um, I see a lot of sectors are still, you know, they're not, they don't care basically. Healthcare, for example, even today, healthcare doesn't seem to worry about uh, attacks, and unfortunately, there, you know, the, the regulatory bodies. Uh, around the world, not just Bahrain, they, they have some new regulations, but they're they're not that stringent compared, for example, to the financial. Mm. Now we look at the Central Bank of Bahrain, for example, mm. right? Mm. Um, they have regulations mm. on all the banks to conduct regular uh, testing and what's called penetration testing to, to simulate attacks to make sure that they're they're protected. This is part of their regular activities, right? Um, disaster recovery uh, operation. Um, Simulation of attacks, uh, what's called data recoveries. Absolutely. Mm. So it's part of the regulation. They have they have to do it. But we look at other sectors um, in the region or globally. They're not really that much regulated, and there are not many policies uh, to ensure that these companies and these sectors, you know, follow the financial and the and the government. Uh, so that's one of the problems I think, which do is lack of regulations. Do you believe that 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 if first an attack has to happen at a scale for for them to be like, oh whoa. We now we need to invest because uh, sadly most cases you know especially in the business world and as human beings we we often always do things in hindsight oh, rather than in yeah, foresight. No, no question, Hamid. I think I think um, I think one of the um, reasons why why uh, organizations who are not regulated to really uh, wake up and invest is you know when they get an attack. But then it's too late. You know I, I know several cases in Bahrain actually several cases but they are not really announced. 
but several cases where uh, they, you know, they really got a hit, either through ransomware or through disruption of operations, not necessarily, necessarily financial, right? There could be a disruption of an operation and you have to basically then you know, dig out your paper and go back to manual <laughs> ways of, of running your business, imagine, right, in today's uh, you know, day and age. So I think um, there, is, there should be some awareness. Um, I think uh, the problem is no matter how much awareness you do, there's still lack of um, belief and mm. trust mm. until something happens, mm. right? With the exception of the financial sector, because they are regulated, they have no option but to comply with the regulation of CBB. You make a really interesting uh, point because uh, there's a there's a famous consultant. He worked for New York Times. Um, his name is, is Scott Galloway, okay. and he he has this theory of, of doing a perp walk. Mm -hmm. So he he always advises company to hire an actor, especially larger companies, and every six months to no, I mean every two two three years, just have an actor come in for one or two days mm -hmm. that they're working and then do a perp walk with him leaving. Okay. Just to, to scare all the staff and for anyone who, you know, who slipped by the vetting process, yes. who's up to negative activities, yes. that they're then <laughs> <laughs> frightened away. Absolutely. <laughs> yes. So, you know, the various, various, you know, you know, kind of actions that companies are taking. But I think most of what I've seen coming recently is there are companies who would simulate attacks mm -hmm. and that's becoming now a normal thing. So you would actually, for example, send that email with mm -hmm. you know, the winning the, uh, the lottery, okay? They would sure. simulate that sure. internally and they capture, they see what is the response from their staff. Sure. And they would actually reply back, say, you know, well, sorry, you, you basically shouldn't have clicked on this. It's okay, nothing has happened, but make sure next time you watch out for this. So they give that kind of awareness to uh, their, their employees and staff to be more vigilant against uh, these what's called phishing attack. Phishing is obviously uh, the ability to simulate um, someone that you know. Absolutely. Right? So uh, you know, I, could, I could receive an email from Hamad uh, or someone pretending to be Hamad and is asking me for some cash or some... Or know, double A, that's uh, a right. That, yeah, that's very <laughs> common. That's so, that's so common. That's phishing, right? Absolutely. So basically uh, tricking people to think that they are you know, coming from someone else. In fact, there was a famous case with Elon Musk oh, yeah. um, where somebody made a, f a fake email address that was just basically a tunnel. Mm -hmm. And he was sending internal th these emails to, to execs in the company asking them <laughs> what their financial <laughs> forecast was. <laughs> well, thank God they caught him. Yeah. Um, and yeah, and, and so they, had to, yeah. they went to court over it. Absolutely. There's so many stories, Hamad. I mean... But again, um, the, the world is becoming more aware of the dangers, and I think companies and the corporate world has started to really uh, recognize the dangers and do some proactive work to you know, avoid um, being caught in, 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 a, in a ransomware attack or in a phishing attack or you know, the likes of you know, uh, complete um, disruption of their operations. So they, they are learning, uh, I would say. I, I mean, the, you, in fact, I know that, especially with Apple, the case has, has become that that um, I what's it? What's the name of the CEO, guys? Again, Tim Cook. Tim thank oh you. Tim Cook, yes. That that Tim Cook isn't allowed to fly anymore on public aircrafts. Okay. Just because the value that he carries yes. on his devices. <laughs> yeah. So it's the worth that more than the, 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 the cost of the plane, you know, and, and so the board has de decided that he has to only be flying private now. Yeah. Yeah. yeah amazing. And it t they take it from his pay cut, by the way. Yeah, yeah. So <laughs> <Well>. <laughs> Fascinating. So really, this is the story. Um, so as I said, I mean, today I'm more um, involved in developing business opportunities and uh, 
uh, specifically in the world of you know digital security that's where i think you know because you know what happened since my early days um, technology has changed so much today yeah, of course you know um, companies do not have any machines any um, servers any machines locally right everything is moved to the cloud so the focus on technology has changed from having a team of people looking after some machines into very um, bright and talented people um, enabling the business. Well, when you came back to the Middle East, that must have been just when GUI had started becoming oh, accessible. Yes. Oh, yes. Right? Oh, Before then was just point and click. Oh, absolutely. Right? Yes. I mean, I, I can't yes. even imagine yes. to convince people at that point in time yes. and being like, you know what, this is yes. all going to be different. No, no, no. I lived, I lived the Windows NT world and the Windows 95, all these, you know, it's probably <laughs> haven't heard of them, but <laughs> they're, <laughs> they're there. But uh, I, I grew up in Saudi Arabia. <laughs> my, my dad was a big computer guy, so he had these floppy disks that were huge. Yeah. Well, I never, I didn't live that those days. I kind of more of the smaller ones, mm, but I still mm. you know, lived the days where the smaller floppies there, and then quickly moved into CDs after that. So it, this was the period I uh, more active. You, you know what I find absolutely fascinating is that the new employees that we're that me and you are hiring at this point, especially with 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 Canu, uh, uh, they don't know what the icon of save where that comes from. <laughs> They've never seen a floppy disk. Absolutely right. Yes, you're absolutely right, Hamid. Yeah. I think you're right. Yeah, yeah. Or, They've or, never seen uh, a or, or why the phone icon looks yes. like a phone, right? <laughs> It, absolutely it's, it's fascinating yes. and i lived over the days where uh, you know the the modem remember I yes think, yes 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 back yes, in 96 yes. 7 we had to dial in and uh, yes. wait and if you're lucky you can get connected it, it, yeah. and and the era of forms as oh, well yes. oh yes yes Th these are good days good fascinating i mean but I, obviously things have changed today obviously I'm, you know there's so much in technology i think uh, the the younger generation uh, they have a, a fascinating world of technology I think they can play with uh, today. Do you, do you not feel that technology has, though, become almost not just app-centric, but, but company-centric? Like, there's the, everyone either accesses Instagram or Instagram, Google. Yeah. I think, what is it, like 95 or 96% of web searches go through Google? Oh, yes, absolutely. Right? Look, I mean, there's nothing wrong with that. I think, um, I think you know, f to be attached to a specific in a company, if it's really doing good, why not? Uh, I don't see it a problem. Um, I know Apple, for example, they uh, work on you know kids at a very young age to basically build the brand, right? By the uh, way, sorry to interrupt you, but do you know that most execs at Apple don't allow their kids to play with their devices? Really? No, I never knew that. Right? Oh, really? Yep. Oh, see, that's that's <laughs> another thing. Well, you know what? I uh, kind of uh, had a um, a session with. Um, I was invited to a, a an event by Dell. Mm -hmm. uh, global mm -hmm. um, that was back in 2010 I think and I had the opportunity to have dinner next to Michael Dell mm -hmm. right next to me and uh, back then he was holding a, um, a Blackberry mm. during the Blackberry days mm. now I'm having conversation and I said uh, so Michael how often do you I mean do you, do you let your children to you know be 24 7 on their on their you know devices uh, mobile devices he says he said, he told me actually, no, 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 no way. So he said uh, he only, ha you know, kind of allow his kids to work for a number of hours. And then he has like a schedule for a couple of hours a night and then they have to switch off their, their mobiles. I said, oh, someone like that, you know, we should learn from them. Right. So uh, it was, you know, that kind of gave me a wake up call back then to really make sure that my children <laughs> don't actually work 24 seven on these mobile devices. He has a fascinating story. I remember reading in an interview with him um, that he, when he was for, so when the iPhone, the first generation came out before it even had a 3G mo model, uh, there were in talks actually with Intel to produce the chips, mm -hmm. the CPU. 
right? Um, Apple was, was set at a certain price mm -hmm. and Intel just, it didn't work out. The price just weren't meeting. So the CEO at the time, he, he felt in his gut saying, I, he, he knew that he should take that contract, right. but he couldn't convince the board to okay. accept it. So it passed up that opportunity. Mm -hmm. So obviously, you know, in hindsight, 2020, mm -hmm. they did, <laughs> the iPhone did way better than their estimate their estimates. Yeah. You know, they could have made the numbers work if they really yep. tried. And absolutely. And absolutely. He, yeah, so the whole argument at, at the article was, was saying also, even when something doesn't match from a numbers perspective, yep. If your instincts as a businessman is telling you you should off more often than not take that chance. Oh, absolutely. I think I think as I said, I mean, I mean, these these, these brands um, will definitely try and develop a, uh, a brand loyalty at mm -hmm. a very young age, mm -hmm. and it's it's by nature. But to be honest, I mean, I don't see it a problem um, as long as you know, um, you know, it's 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 helping uh, the the younger generation uh, be fascinated about technology and be passionate about technology. And, and to bring it in, sorry, to cybersecurity, I, I think that's the same case with cybersecurity is that a lot of people see it from a financial perspective, yep. saying like, oh, you know, is it necessary? It, oh, yes. You know, does the numbers make sense? Although internally they know if something does happen, it's going to cost us X multiple more. Exactly. I think this is one of the reasons that is putting people off from uh, being proactive when it comes to cybersecurity protection. Mm. And it basically is worth the investment. Does nothing happen. You know, we had... We've never had any attacks for the last 20 years. Why would an attack happen next month? <laughs> you see? So they basically measure uh, their uh, investment based on their experience. Oh, we've never had an issue. But, but the problem is they don't know that they had an issue. <laughs> this is what I'm saying. Being in technology, uh, you don't know that you've been attacked, you see, and you don't know when it's going to hit you. So that's why I think many companies are today are, are becoming aware of this problem and they are really investing in, 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 in raising the bar and increasing you know, the, the defense, that's what, that's the only thing you can do really. Because you know, when, whenever you increase your f defense, those hackers will go even higher. They're sure. very smart people. Sure. Uh, so it always go higher. So you have to keep, you know, uh, It becomes a spending them. game. Oh yes, yeah. oh, it is, it, that's what it is. And, and eventually you hope you reach a situation oh, where, the, where for the hackers it's so expensive yes. and the returns are so little yes. that it, it doesn't. It becomes worth it, worth. it doesn't worth it. You're yeah, right. so that's what you, you eventually yeah. hope to hit that medium ground. Yeah. But what do you think of the whole blockchain with security? Do you think there is a connection between the two, or do you think well, it's just vapeware at the moment? No, no, it's, 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 it's good. That's the future. You can't stop it. Um, there's a whole technology, obviously, industry based on it. Now. All, all the cryptocurrencies, obviously, as you know, is, is based on the blockchain. And there are so many good applications for it. Mm -hmm. uh, and I think one day um, it, will, it will sort of uh, dominate uh, the world of communication, secure communication. Um, today, um, I'm not sure if, if you know this, but there, there are actually groups of similar businesses that are communicating on blockchains. For example, shipping industry, mm -hmm. right? So you have a group of ship liners, the companies that own these large uh, ships, right? For, for um, you know, the- uh, Transportation shipping. of goods. Yeah. So, so th there's all a lot of communication that goes between those companies, um, you know, and the ports, authorities and agents. So um, they're basically using blockchains, private blockchains, to communicate securely. Mm. Right? So without any uh, disruption to the communication. It's very similar to in banking, uh, you have SWIFT, for example, mm. if you're familiar with the mm. banking uh, industry, they have SWIFT for, for years. Mm. It's very protected um, kind of messaging platform. Um, similarly, for the shipping, they're using blockchain uh, today to exchange secured messages. 
So the world is, is, is moving towards blockchain. It's, it's definitely happening. Uh, it just uh, requires a lot of um, sort of um, agr agreements between different uh, uh, groupings of related uh, techno um, uh, sort of companies. So you have, for example, in shipping, you only have like four or five companies getting together and, and creating a private blockchain network. But then if you're not part of those five, then you cannot basically enter it. It's just yeah. like a WhatsApp group. So basically they're creating WhatsApp groups mm. and it's only them they can see and message each other. Mm. Th that's what it is. It's a WhatsApp group. That's and a so wonderful example. Oh, yes. <laughs> if you're not part of the WhatsApp group, then you're not. Able. So that kind of you need to, to maximize the group to make it even more accessible to many people and many companies to make the, the blockchain uh, worthwhile. But by the way, I don't know if, you, if you're aware of this, but uh, for the last, I think, five or eight years of WhatsApp now being owned by Meta, Correct. because they never encrypted their server for a very long time. They yep. only encrypted it two years ago. Correct. Uh, the way group chats would work would, would be based on a URL address. Correct. So, yep. so people were, were, were able to find URL addresses yes. for, for very high VPs yep. and then had access to all <laughs> these, these, these group chats and were just able to funnel that data oh, and absolutely. information. Absolutely. So there's always ways for attacks. Yeah. And thank God now Facebook has yeah. clamped well, down on that. Exactly. But it goes back to security, right? How mm. people should be aware that, look, I mean, you're part of a network. Mm. Uh, if you own a, mo a mobile phone, you're already on a network. You know, somehow you could be attacked. Um, you don't know this, but you could, you know, through your mobile, people can access your, your bank, right? So it, it is quite uh, dangerous. I think it's the only advice that I, I want to give is people need to be vigilant. That as much as you can protect yourself, but you need to use common sense at certain times, right? To say, you know, you know, if Hamad is sending me a message after I leave, oh, can you just, uh, by the way, <laughs> I need 500 dinars because I need to buy a TV, uh, wonderful. Then I have to be careful, right? Absolutely. No, yes, I have to be vigilant. Oh, no, I just met Hamad. Cannot be Hamad, right? Let be someone else who has hacked Hamad's, uh, you know. So things like that needs to be uh, really. Um, Famously, was on Facebook, you know, where 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 they would attack. They would usually attack the older generation, okay. you know, people who just usually share their the recipes, and they would say, yeah. you know, they're their grandson or granddaughter, yes. or you know, the the old uh, the old proverb with the uh, with the I'm a prince from Nigeria, oh, yes. you know. Oh, yes. okay. <laughs> I mean, I'm not sure. There still seems to be coming for some reason. These guys in Nigeria don't believe that uh, you know, the world is, is now aware of this, the problem, they still, they still seem to be active for some reason. But I spoke to a mathematician about this problem, and, and he, he made a very interesting point. He said that, that, the, that the message is so ridiculous, it doesn't matter, mm -hmm. because the people who will affect it are the most gullible. Right. Right? Yeah. And, and the most vulnerable. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yes. absolutely. And, absolutely. And exactly. And so, so it's just a numbers <laughs> game of sending it out. Yes. Yeah. Right? And, uh, instead of making the story most yeah. believable. You don't believe, but some people will actually fall in the trap. Unfortunately, uh, they will they will catch some some people. Absolutely, quite unfortunate. Absolutely, it's it's sad, yeah. but it is what it is. <laughs> but it is what it is. Uh, so do you do you see do you see yourself introducing blockchain now into Bahrain? I think it's already there, right? Um, I think some. Um, I know that Bahrain was talking about digitizing a currency with the dinar somehow being a crypto dinar. It's been in talks, but no one has yeah, but, said but, anything but again, about it. See, um, sorry, you asked for blockchain here, right? Sure, 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 yeah, sure. I think, I think the government was looking into blockchain at some point in time. Uh, you know, the, um, uh, all the ministries today, mm -hmm. um, they obviously there is a, an existing network mm -hmm. um, where ministries and government entities can communicate. Um, I believe the government 
was looking into introducing this through the IGA, which is the uh, the mm. e-government of Bahrain. Mm. So I'm not sure how far they've been to. I'm not really in touch directly with uh, Mr. Mohammed Al-Qaid. Yani he's, mm. he's in charge of the uh, uh, e-government. But I think there, there has been some discussions on introducing blockchain for the government. Uh, and that will really set the, the scene for all, all other industries within uh, Bahrain. Absolutely, absolutely. I, I spoke to a few con consultants okay. who went for meetings and they came back and said, you know what, this might be or this might be was what we see the future. Some of them have been trying to say that NFTs might be a part of that, okay. but mm -hmm. in what capacity, no one knows. Mm -hmm. A lot of people have been talking about it, using it for, for real estate, uh, mm -hmm. uh, crypto with, with an NFT, you know? Yeah, as I before, Hamad, I mean, sure. the way the, the crypto, well, again, blockchain works is, 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 you know, the adoption of it, right? Um, if there are similar standards, yeah that can work around a, a kind of a, a, a blockchain platform, then this is, this is really actually the maximum benefit. Just as mentioned, the WhatsApp group. So the more sure. related people, relatives, friends, uh, school friends, you see these are all groupings. Mm. They can share a common um, you know, group uh, based on cryptocurrency. Sorry, based on blockchain. Blockchain. Yeah, obviously, th that's where I see the, the maximum benefit. And it's going to hit us one day. Um, I think so now as well. Now, the thing is, uh, whether as a consumer, you'll be able to tell that you are you are actually using a, uh, a blockchain or not, this is a different matter. Yeah. A yeah. Again, goes back to the first question you asked me on the phone regarding AI, right? Yeah. The application oh, we of can AI. Oh, we can go into it, absolutely. <laughs> the application of AI and virtual reality and all these really nice buzzwords, I think... Um, it took longer than what I, I thought would be uh, realistic to um, kind of blend into our lifestyle, mm. right? So what I mean by that obviously is uh, if you just treat AI as a, as a technical term or as a technology, then probably it's difficult to apply it in, in various um, industries. But I think uh, if you're able to blend it right into a normal um, process, that happens between a consumer and a service provider, right? This is where actually it creates the maximum value. I think so uh, as well. This actually is very similar to the bot chat, right? Mm. The chatbot, sorry, the chatbots, mm. right? This is, again, um, when they first started, uh, people were fascinated as, oh, you know what, ah, this is really fantastic. But then people realize, oh, it's just a machine talking to me, right? Um, and, and, that's, and, and most of the times, actually, it's quite a stupid machine. Again, it's, it's not answering my questions correctly. But by the way, have you, have you seen the one from 2017 with Google? Where they, where they I have seen it. <laughs> isn't that terrifying? They interviewed, I think, I mean, they used obviously the best sample cases, but they had three or four people and they had no awareness yes. that, that who's calling them yeah. is a computer. Yes, it is. So I think, again, the application of these technologies, okay, I think um, if, you, if you just apply them as a standalone, then they won't work, right? Um, people have been talking about AI for years now, mm. right? Um, but how much of that has been really blended into a normal person or a, a sector or a, or, or a business or industry is questionable, right? Um, again, you have the question of IoT, right? The Internet of Things, right? Mm. So, um, you know, people might be already using this technology, but they're not realizing it, and this is beautiful. For example, if you just bought a fridge recently, a Samsung fridge, Right? You might not realize it or know it, but it may already have an Smart IoT, yeah. or an artificial intelligence in it, an AI components, but you don't realize. And that's beautiful. It's still a fridge, but there's so many things going on in that fridge to simplify your life, to make your life better.
No, I, I totally agree. I, I mean, I think the capacity of where it's heading is is up to up to grabs. Uh, a lot of people have this notion about sentient AIs. Whether or not that's achievable metaphysically, physically, what how we would deem them as as a a a a, a rather as an entity or not. I mean, these are these are philosophical moral mm -hmm. moral questions, right? Mm -hmm. uh, you had that case with Google where the engineer claims that that's an AI is sentient. And I, I, I'm, I'm on the fence. I think, you know, yeah. that seems a very much like a marketing thing, you know, Google saying, you know, our AIs are so good. They trick their engineers, <laughs> you know? Yeah. So, yeah. so there is that section of it. And I, I think people are also worried about what, what the capacity of AI means at, at large scales. Mm -hmm. Right. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Because it doesn't necessarily mean that it'll do best decision for the consumer or for the company. Or for or, I mean, uh, uh, Geneva, I think, have been talking about banning AI for defense forces, for example. Okay. Yeah. 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 It, it, yeah. It's it's a complicated question. Exactly. That's, that's what I said. I mean, I mean, obviously, Google um, and every um, sort of, um, you know, conference and every event, they always talk about AI. And the way they've done it actually is they've now included AI in every application, the camera, the, uh, the search engine on sure. your phone. So you, your phone actually, if you're using a Google phone, it has a built-in AI engine. True. But you don't realize it. Sure. As a user, you're just using your phone as normal. This is beautiful, right? So if you want people to wear like, uh, you know, these uh, VR, virtual reality, you know, screens and, and you expect them to, to use them around, I think that's wrong. The, the idea is, can you use virtual reality in a way that th it's not that intrusive to your life by wearing frictionless know, frictionless yeah, absolutely that's exactly the word i was looking for the ability to sneak in sneak in a technology without a user or a human being uh, realizes it so so again scott galloway makes an interesting point uh, in his book um uh, the four and he he talks about that amazon is going to get a point with with their data analytics and their ai that they will be able to order you things without you ordering them, right. and then you just having to send back the things that you don't want. Absolutely. Right, and completely a frictionless process. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that's what we're gonna see in the exactly. future of, of how exactly. that's gonna work. This is, this is when actually all these technologies come together, right, and seamlessly, without any intrusion to a person's um, ability to comprehend and understand these technologies, right? Mm. This is where I see a successful uh, application of these technologies. Yes, mm. I think answer to your question, yes, AI will stay with us. It's gonna even do more, but I think it will do it in a, in a very un um, a kind of hidden way rather than being so visible to a normal human. So w what would you say to people who are right now just finishing their college degrees or university thinking of getting into work? Are you saying, hey, you know what, go into securities, go into uh, banking, go into uh, uh, cyberware security, or are you saying, hey, you know what, probably being AI researcher right now. <laughs> what do you think that, that hill has passed and now we're moving on to the next thing? Well, you know, believe it or not, I think, to be honest, there are so many fields of studies that mm -hmm. have been neglected because of these new modern uh, fields. Mechanical engineers, electrical engineers, you know, chemical engineers, those, you don't hear people talking about these anymore. Uh, it's very few people that have really um, blue collared work, yeah. Absolutely, and it's just everybody wants to do computer science. Everybody seems to be doing, you know, finance. So there are so many fields where I think there are still some um, way to to really look carefully into them, and and, and, and maybe you, you know a, a person would have an interest in those fields. Um, 
I mean, having said that, obviously everything today, every field of studies you pick will depend so much on technology. Medicine, Psy. history, humanities, economics, you must have some level of programming, some level of hardware understanding. Everything is based on technology. You can't hide from it. No, I, cr I totally agree with you. I, I, what, what is really interesting, I remember reading um, in, in Nature, the, the, the publication, uh, they said that right now application counts for males in universities are actually dropping mm -hmm. because so many of them are going to trade schools to become electricians, plumbers, engineers. I mean, an electrician right now in the UK can <coughs> earn 120,000 pounds. Oh, absolutely. That's like almost 60, oh, yeah. 50, 60,000 BD, yeah. you know? And if you're if you're a deep sea, uh, uh, um, deep sea uh, welder, mm -hmm. your salary can be up to $500,000. Absolutely. You know? Yeah. Uh, look, Hamid, I think five years from now, uh, people graduating from medical schools will be really software engineers. Yeah, yeah, totally you know agree. Because by then, if you combine all these technologies that we know about today, I mean, never mind those that we don't know about in the future, the ones like, you know, AI, VR, uh, IoT, all these technologies, right, they will be put in a, in, a, in, in a way for a doctor not to be physically present in one location, but he'll be treating people, you know, hundreds of miles, thousands of miles away, right? So he's sitting in Bahrain and he's controlling a, through a computer, through a program that he's written himself, a an operating theater somewhere in India, somewhere in, I don't know. Thailand, wherever. Thailand, right, sitting in Bahrain. The technology is available today. We mentioned uh, blockchain that should provide the security to perform these operations so there's no one can you know, intrude and, and disrupt a, a medical operation. You have uh, robotics are coming a long way today. Um, you have artificial intelligence. So probably 50% of the work that will be done by that uh, doctor or surgeon will be done by artificial intelligence because oh, yeah. it's repetitive, right? That, that artificial, uh, well actually that doctor should have trained a robot to do repetitive thing during the operation. Stitching, absolutely. maybe cutting open, You're whatever. Absolutely. So he was just, he'll be monitoring it all right, but he must have written that program. So you see, they're all software engineers, they're all programmers. Yeah, so the world is, is, is going towards that. Yes, everything will be based on technology in any field you pick. But again, I mean, I don't think we should forget that for any new people coming, especially have a lot of people graduating this year from school, you should never discount the, um, you know, the traditional engineers, the chemical engineering and the you know, civil engineering and the electrical, these are all fascinating fields which very much use technology. You're not really, you know, going away yeah, from yeah, technology. Yeah, 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 you're not, you're not stone man. You're right. st you don't have to be a software or computer science engineer to be able to work in a, uh, in a bank or in a chemical plant or in, a, in an, an electric power station. Uh, so that's my advice. No, I, I mean, I'm, I'm with you 100% and I think that uh, Murray's job is, is going to be replaced by a computer sooner or later because <laughs> right now switching cameras by pressing a button on who's talking, right? So th that's that's the next that's the next stage. Sorry to tell you, Murray, you're gonna have to retrain. You're gonna have to be a camera camera operator. <laughs> but it well, is fascinating. It's yeah, so fascinating. Think, to be honest, Hamid, I think um, a lot of people are scared from from you know being um, made redundant, replaced, replaced by by computers. I don't think that's gonna happen. I think you know human being will become more intelligent, smarter. Uh, their focus will be on 
things are totally different from what they're doing today. And machines, computers, software will uh, still be very much part of our life, but they will do things that uh, you know human beings don't need to do. Uh, my, my friend had a really great point, and he told me there is one job in the world that will never be replaceable. And it's not the job that you're thinking of, it's personal trainer. He said, nobody wants to be told by a computer how to work out. <laughs> well, you never know. Yeah, right? And no, I thought, never know. oh, I don't know. I think, well, I think, do you really want to be yelled at by a computer telling you do push-ups? <laughs> well, you never know, Hamid. I mean, uh, you know, if that's what's, if it's, gonna be, if it's put in a, in, in a way that is very effective, why not? If it's made into a hologram. Sure. Oh, now you're talking. <laughs> now you you're talking. Know, right? Absolutely. Uh, meta, what's called meta? Metaverse. Metaverse, right? Could be a metaverse working. You don't know. Are you investing in the metaverse? Not yet. Not yet, but no, you I are looking like into the, it. Uh, the, I don't know, the, the, at least the ones that, um, you know, uh, Facebook or Meta showed. Um, I didn't like the, 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 the graphics. Mm. To me, it looks so primit you know, premature. It's very, I don't know, I, I would have liked to see more. Well, PlayStation 2, <laughs> right? I mean, how many. The uh, graphics wasn't that as amusing to me. That's probably why it didn't capture my attention yet. I mean, how many triangles did they use in the PlayStation 2? Uh, like 230, something like that? <laughs> probably. Exactly, right? So, I mean, it's going to take time, and, and sooner or later, I think it's, it's going to be very, very real. Yeah, well, you know what? I mean, there's still some negativity into it. I mean, whether we like it or not, um, probably for people in our generation, we value personal, you know, connections, right? And I can see it. I mean, the the, the pandemic, the two years pandemic, have shown and many, um, you know, kind of raised many issues. Um, the the lack of connection, personal connection, really made a big, big, huge impact on people's depression, psyche, well-being, right? Which proves that look, I mean, whatever we do in technology and artificial intelligence you still that need that human connection well can i ask do you have any children sir i do yeah, yeah, yeah. Do, do, you, do you find them playing out with their friends or, or is that do you have to almost force them to get out of the house well to be honest um, i have one son who's okay. uh, he's, he's just finished his gcse oh mashallah session. congratulations and thank you and he's uh, well because of the pandemic yes i think the answer i had to push him yeah i had to push him uh, just to to see his friends uh, and i think they're, they're coming back now to normal uh, but my other children actually are a lot older. They're, they're okay. I mean, they, they know the, uh, the, the... But my younger, my son, is, is I had to push him, especially at this very young age. Um, the pandemic obviously confined them to one space. Uh, and then it, it will take time for them to readjust and become part of this uh, you know, community. I totally agree. I mean, I recently read a study that this is in the Western world, though, that uh, most people in the, between 20 to 25 don't, ha don't have a single real friend. Mm -hmm. which is a mm -hmm. scary statistic if you think about yeah. it and that everything is just virtual yeah you know and and to me twitter and instagram isn't a real place yeah but people treat it almost like it's a real community a real place yeah but what's, again what's what makes me a bit uh, not worried uh, because my eldest son uh, basil he's uh, 26 mm -hmm. and oh man he's probably has you know hundreds of friends mm -hmm. and he he's still in touch he's, he's living in new york at the moment he's working in new york but he's uh, he's in touch with friends he's going out he's living like normal life that we all lived right uh, in terms of human connection friends uh, and social you know relationships um, my daughter again same thing i mean she has oh man friends everywhere so i'm not really that worried but my younger son i think it's just a i hope it's only a temporary situation Setback. because of of the pandemic but the older they grow they realize the human connection, there's nothing, you cannot replace that. Whatever you do, well, you know, no matter how much time you spend on looking at, staring at a screen, at the end of the day, there's still the human, you know, touch a human connection. 
um, is what matters really. I, I think so as well. I think that's why you, f you found so many people who have gone through depression or, or had some uh, wellness or mental issues after the, the whole situation of being almost for a year yep. locked in, in four walls. You, I read another scary statistic that 96% that of our lifespan is spent indoors. Wow. That is, if yes. you think about it, I mean, eight hours sleeping or six hours, yeah. however you sleep, yes. and then eight hours in an office. Yes. Right, that's already two yes. thirds of your day. Oh, absolutely. And I think I think it's even worse in in, in Europe. And the the I mean, in the Middle East, when do we go out in summer? Oh yes, it's it's quite difficult. But still, we still have the shisha and we still have the gawas and. Sah, sah, for satin. So, so compared to uh, maybe the same generations living in Europe today, uh, probably we are much better off than them. I think mm, uh, mm. it's a lot totally more difficult agree. for them. Uh, have a lot of people feeling extremely, you know, um, lonely. There's a, l a lot of issues about lonely people in the West compared to, to our culture here. But but our culture is, is a lot more centered on community. Shuf Amek, Uchuk, right? Yeah. This does not happen in, yes. in the West. You know, they might come for Christmas, if that, yeah. for them. For Absolutely. us, you know, yeah. you haven't seen your uncle in, in, uh, oh, in a week. What's, what's going on, you know? <laughs> Oh, I'm gonna see my mother next year. Exactly. That's what they say back then. But here, obviously, is it's, it's a very much uh, part of the daily routine or weekly routine that you see your family, your your sisters, friends. Um, so yeah, so we are a bit different. We are, I think we are much better here in this region. Absolutely, I think I think you know. There's that saying, right? It takes a village to raise a child. Yeah. yeah. And I think there's there's real truth to yeah. that. And I think that's why you, you, you see so many social issues happening in, in Europe and America oh, and all kinds of craziness, oh, yes. you know, and that's because they lack a community. Yeah, absolutely. You know, <laughs> but hopefully we'll, we'll see that return. Well, hopefully they'll find their community. And I hope that the Middle East can maintain our community. Inshallah, we hope so. Inshallah, absolutely. <laughs> and do you think that the implication of, of, of A, of, of V, not AR, it's AR, yeah. VR? No, AR. Oh, AI. No, no, there's VR, virtual reality, and AR, which is augmented reality. Oh, augmented, augmented. oh yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, definitely, I think, I think I can see it in cars a lot. I think um, the, the motor industry seems to be implementing that. I think it's fantastic for cars. Mm. Uh, when you see you know, the, the, the um, screen in your car. The speed dial. Well, it's more than that, right? There's a camera that shows you, you know, the, the navigation but in real life. So you see the arrows on your, on your windshield, on your screen. Yes, uh, yes, yes, that's, yes, yes. That's augmented reality. And the thing is, um, you know, I, I see this specifically in, in sort of bad weathers, right? Uh, when you have, uh, for example, fog or, you know, dust, right? When you don't, you know, sometimes you don't see in front of you. So this is really fascinating because you can see basically <laughs> right in front mm, of you. Mm, um, mm. So this fantastic. I, I think it's very similar to what I said earlier. I mean, uh, if, it, if it blends into your life, without any pressure on, on, on the learning curve. If it's, if it's just part of the car system, the navigation system, that's where you know, augmented reality can be there. Rather than me purchasing a, an augmented reality you know, uh, goggles and, and I kind of walk with it. No, I, think, I think it's important for all these technologies to blend into our lives in a very seamless way. And would you, would you support BioWare as well? Oh yes, absolutely. So Why not? Yeah. Absolutely. I mean, Absolutely. I'm I'm hesitant, and the really? whole idea of putting a computer chip, of, you know, uh, you know, personal data being shared. Oh no! I, for me, Bioware, in the sense that you know, like what Elon Musk is right now doing, trying to install computer chips that you could somehow communicate. Oh, to that degree, <laughs> I think that's quite extreme. Exactly, yeah, I right? Think that's extreme. When somebody I, gets born, then you just basically. You know, insert a chip in that baby, and then hopefully it will grow with it. And at the yeah. born, I feel it's less bad than yeah. when you're in your 30s or 40s. Yeah. You know, yeah, yeah. <laughs> from 
certainly for us today in this region, probably for the next 20 years, uh, probably it doesn't make sense. We Maybe don't have to worry about it. years from now, it probably makes sense because those days would be completely different, obviously, uh, from our days today. Uh, but today, next 10 years, it's just, just too much. I think going the extreme way, I think. Um. <laughs> well, I, I mean, Elon Musk right now has announced that they're doing the first human, uh, human uh, applicants on larger scales, I think they have about a hundred people that they're experimenting on every oh. year, which t which yeah. is <laughs> absolutely yeah. terrifying to me. Yes. Well, I, for me, the terrifying apartment is is the operation rather than anything else. Yeah. You know. Well, I think look, Hamad, I think nothing, um, not everything will work. I mean, remember Google uh, glasses? Glasses? It didn't work. I mean, you know, even but today I don't see people wearing smart glasses. But do you think it didn't work because it lacked the necessary f finances behind it? Do you or think they gave it up too quickly? Or maybe, as I said earlier, the seamless integration into people's life, it wasn't there. Maybe if they designed it in a way that looks like, you know, your glasses that you're wearing, maybe you would have accepted it. By the way, Dan, can you look it up? Does Google Glass uh, uh, still is in use? I think some companies are still using uh, it for engineering purposes. Maybe. Maybe it's, it's transformed into a, maybe a slight different design, but the actual one would be, you know, the aluminum, um, the frame, because I, I frame that the, it's, no it, I, I remember that. Yeah, the, yeah, yeah, yeah. That one, I don't think it, it's is it still available as results no longer commercially available in retail products. Google that still does exist though. Oh. So I, I knew that, that some applicants for engineers, maybe medicine, engineering. I, I know that it, um, um, I forgot which airline company, one of the airline companies were using it for training, for training, they're, uh, you know, engineers, yeah. which to me, that makes the, yeah. the, the, the most sense. But I mean, for normal consumers, um, you know, um, it's going to probably take a while for them to redesign and, uh, you know, blend it into, into people's lives. Hmm. Yeah. I, th I think I think it's sooner than we think. Oh, yes. As I mean, there's so many things that have people have come up um, in terms of technology, but they didn't really materialize into real life. Hmm. So whatever Elon Musk is doing, maybe he has a, he's very smart, obviously. He has he sees something that we don't see, um, but it will take time time, some time for, for these ideas to flourish. Do you think it's smart or do you think he's just a marketing genius? Uh, well, I think he is, well, look, I mean, he is smart. Uh, I don't think he's just smart. I, are, you, are you worried that I you're going to end up in the same room with him? <laughs> yeah, I, th I think, look, I think he is, obviously he has a lot of resources and he, he can do things, right? He can do things. Maybe not many people don't have that opportunity and they could be as equally smart to them, but he has the resources to do it, and that's why he's going, you know, to the, to the, to the space, and he's doing all these buying Twitter, buying eggs. Very, very unique and very destructive uh, kind of nature of, of these ideas. Um, but you know, whether he's the smartest person in the world, I don't think so. I mean, there's definitely no. some smart people <laughs> in the world. Well, you, you know, know what I think it is. I think him and Trump have the same ability of of, of social engineering. Mm -hmm. I think both of them are somehow able. Yeah. To, to say, you know, extreme stuff or whatever else, to not get enough repercussion that it hurts them financially, mm -hmm. but grow more media attention on them. Yeah. yeah. I, you know, and, and, and both of them, by the way, which is fascinating to me, ha now own their own social network. Trump obviously has Truth Media or Truth Social, right. and, and Elon is now about Twitter. Yes, exactly. So he's in the process of buying Twitter. But I think, um, as I mean, he, he has done um, some good work. I think, um, you know, Tesla... I mean, I remember um, one of my friends when I was in, at Invest Corp. He was talking to me uh, about Tesla, and this is was he shorting it? 
he was actually shorting it. Actually. Yeah, I knew it. <laughs> yeah, this is, you're talking about 1998. Yeah. And I was laughing at him. Oh, what is this? He said, oh, Jamil, you have to, you know. Start shorting this. it. Yeah, short, short this company is coming up. It's going to do electric cars. I said, come on, what is this electric car? It won't be successful, you know. And, and, and things have changed completely. Um, so he has some, you know, um, very uh, risky ideas. Uh, he takes risk, huge risks. And, and but know. but the Wall Street is willing to fund it. Absolutely. Right? Yes. I mean, what was always crazy to me, and I think this is with Jeff Bezos in this case, he was the only person who got so much free capital from Wall Street. Well, he also worked in Wall Street for a long part of his life, but there was no other company that got so much access to cheap capital at mm -hmm. such a cheap rate. Yes. You know, they were only five years into it, and they were bigger than Walmart. Right. Yes. From from for, from an evaluation. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. You know? Yeah. I mean, obviously, Jeff Bezos is quite as smart as as, as maybe Elon Musk. Um, definitely. I mean, oh, he has, uh, uh, no, just to, to to bring it into to Bahrain and everything else. And I think that's what's the key thing missing in 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 not just Bahrain but in the Gulf region is a necessary backing financial institutions on you know entrepreneurs or or, or people who are willing to mm -hmm. to do an enterprise on crazy ideas yep oh mike needs to be a little closer sir yeah about yeah. there yeah good okay yeah so i think look um i think there are some organizations Hamad. i think uh, we're not really short of venture capitalists uh, in bahrain there uh, i know a few companies here who would uh, basically uh, support uh, startups but i think the the scale is not that big mm. i think most of the uh, in you know venture capitalists in in this region, they want companies that are in growth modes. Mm. They don't want to take any risks. Mm -hmm. uh, they're looking for companies uh, you know that have already started and they just need some funding to develop a product or to grow a market so they can return their investment uh, pretty quickly. But for companies um, to really invest on startups taking a huge risk, I think they're very limited. And the banking sector here is not really set up for it it's not set up for it uh, yeah yeah i think um you know and then even the governments uh, obviously we have bahrain development bank sure at least and, and they are funding companies but again it's the same story Hamad. they're looking for companies who are, which are really in in a growth mode but i think that's 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 the thing that's going to pull talent into back into our region mm. and they're going to stop the brain brain drain mm -hmm. is by funding these these exuberant projects mm -hmm. and trying to get get them working i mean there's a fantastic book i'll share with you uh, sir if you like uh, it, it talks about that the mother of innovation in the u.s is almost completely centered around the dod and norad mm -hmm. That you know, lithium batteries were developed by the DoD. Yep. Touchscreen technology was developed by the mm -hmm. uh, DoD. Uh, GPS, obviously, three mm -hmm. uh, G antennas, AR and VR, also by DoD. Mm -hmm. And it's it's then then they sell these these patents and these contracts then to technology companies who then claim like Apple saying you know we invented yep. liquid retina displays where you know not right. true. Yes, even the internet. Right, internet was uh, first used by DoD. So I think sure. Um, you know, I think you're right. It's just, again, uh, I wish there are more companies, uh, you know, angel investors uh, in this region to really help and support. I think uh, from what I've seen, um, you know, in Bahrain here, there are people who are willing to really become entrepreneurs. Mm. I think it's it's by nature in this country. I mean, this, this, this country, specifically Bahrain, has always been uh, fascinated and um, passionate about trade and commerce uh, from years ago, right? 
Um, again, my father used to tell me this because he was a trader. He was a textile trader. So he was trading a lot, I mean, with, with a lot of countries around India, Iraq, uh, you know, Iran at the time. Sure. Uh, most of the region here. So he was basically a trader, and, and Bahrain was flourishing in trade and commerce. Can you look up what the t population is of, of Israel? Because Israel has become almost oh yeah. a tech hub. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. Right? Oh, yes. Absolutely. Uh, there is no reason, in my yeah. opinion, yeah. Why, why Bahrain cannot, cannot replicate that. Replicate yeah. that exact There's system. No question on that. Right? And and, and they, I mean, they have ten times the population than well, not ten times, yeah. almost ten times the population of, yeah. of Bahrain. Yeah. Yeah. But but I, I still don't see why we cannot like really zone in yeah. and really focus on on yeah. that, right? Yeah. So so really, I think um, you know to summarize, I think look, this country has a lot of potential. Um, you have great uh, brains, a lot of educated, highly educated people. Uh, the youngsters are extremely, ma you know, malleable. Uh, absolutely. Absolutely, there's no question on that. So I think some of these people will have you know, the passion to become entrepreneurs, uh, to develop new businesses. Absolutely. I think it's a great start that uh, uh, that all the Middle East has started uh, renationalization of a lot of industries, which is great. Mm -hmm. You mm -hmm. know, airports, finally, more and more Bahraini mm -hmm. citizens are, are being hired as local staff. Mm -hmm. You know, this this wasn't the case for almost right. 10 years. Absolutely. You know, yes, yes. yes. And, and it's it's great that we're mm -hmm. now putting emphasis on it. Yeah. The thing is, where I see the problem, Hamid, is if, you know, people you know, graduating from universities coming back to Bahrain and they don't find opportunities. Mm -hmm. And they will actually, what do you call it? The brain... Uh, brain drain. Brain drain. So basically, they they're going to basically go in, in, in various places where they will find opportunities. And this is where I see the problem. I mean, because if there are no people investing in entrepreneurs or in, in you know, taking some risky business, then these people will, find, will go to places where they will be basically uh, welcomed and, you know, their, their brains and ideas can be developed and nourished. Um, so this is where I, I see the biggest issue because we have so many talented people. Actually. America was so far ahead. My dad tells me stories of it when back in the 70s. He said if you if you finished with a master degree in America, mm -hmm. you were issued immediately a green card. There we go. You were issued oh, immediately a green yes. card. And he was telling me in two years time, you would yeah. have been a U.S. citizen. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And, 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 and that's how they maintain that kind yeah. of ability to have that cognitive oh, absolutely. enterprise. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. I think I said that we have a lot of people uh, being educated in, in various international great universities in the US and in the UK, but I really wish that these people, when they come back, they are taken care of. Absolutely. Because if they don't, then they will go to places where they will be taken care of. And I, I can't, Absolutely. you know, I mean, with the, with, the, with the Brexit, for example, right, in the UK, and the UK currently is, you know, they're, they're sucking people, they're, you know, bring, you know taking brains. You know, especially people young with ta who are talented, who are talented, and also people who are really have very unique specialization in nursery and in, in nursing and in, in medicine and engineering, computer science. They will just take them in, and this is where I see the problem. I mean, especially Bahrain has we have so many talented pe people. I mean, graduate the University of Bahrain by itself. I think they graduate a lot of people, and Bahrain University is one of the best in the region. I think. Uh, even today, it's one of the best. No, I know. can back you up on that. Yes, yeah, absolutely. It's, it's one of the best in any field, you know, engineering, computer science. People come to that university to oh study. Yes, oh you yes. know, that doesn't, that isn't the case exactly. if you're not a good university. Absolutely. Right? Yes, I wish these people would actually be uh, absorbed in the industries, various industries, uh, nourished and also taken care of and, and obviously um, pushed to even do higher education and, and come back to Bahrain and, and do even more work here. 
I, I so that's what I hope. Totally agree. <laughs> I totally agree. And 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 what would you see yourself for the next ten years? Okay. Um, <laughs> tough question. Or five I'm not, years. I'm not personally going to retire soon. I mean, I'm still I'm 56 oh, at the moment. Oh come on! I'm 56. First of all, you don't look 56. Oh, so come, come on. on! I'm getting look. My, no, my gray no, hair no, is, no, no. Does it all? Come on! But I'm I'm actually 56 now. So um, look, I don't see myself retiring. I think uh, you know. If I ever retire, um, I think I have equipped myself with a lot of hobbies. Mm-hmm. I have a lot of hobbies. Photographer, uh, you oh mentioned. Yes, photography is one of them, but I'm more into arts and calligraphy and all these uh, fascinating um, hobbies. Um, again, this was built during my school days, and I can see, you know, probably me, re- re- you know, igniting these again. <laughs> but don't you don't you see, especially at 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 at, at where your stage in life is, how few people actually have genuine hobbies i find it amazing well you see the problem is if you don't have any hobbies and i see a lot of people don't have any hobbies and they get stuck i mean when they get you know uh, get older they get stuck what to do now i mean if they are not uh, into other businesses if they don't want to start a business what to do they have a a whole day to spend right they can't just stay at home um so some people again go to gardening uh, some people basically just again go you know sort of traveling uh, but i think it's important for the younger generation to really build some sort of hobbies y- you know that let me add to that if you don't mind i i've spoken to a lot of people in their early 18 16 17 age gap and they say the same thing a lot of the time i wish my parents didn't didn't allow me to stop mm-hmm. didn't allow me to stop going karate didn't let me stop yes. play didn't yeah. let me stop whatever it was mm-hmm. because that passion that that item makes you unique then in your friend circle mm-hmm. right mm-hmm. and 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 so so the world's become so what's the right word homogenous right right absolutely absolutely and it's harder and harder to stand out and if unless you have like a hobby like with you yes. photography yeah. Uh, yeah. i mean i share that hobby as well i love street photography uh-huh. Especially in the UK and the US, you know, I'll, I'll have a huge lens, like a 200 to 600 millimeter, All right. and I'll just go walking around town and I'll just look for something that's interesting, yes. and I just take a picture <laughs> of it. Well, I love it. Yes, that's a, I photography is fascinating. I mean, although I mean, you can still use your iPhone today. Absolutely. But I'm traveling actually next week. I am taking one of my Fujifilm cameras, although I have you know an iPhone, but uh, it's something about taking your camera and then turning it on and changing the lens and you know playing with the uh, you know film simulations and <laughs> the tactile feel the tactile in the field there's something about that right maybe maybe some of the people who have never experienced this don't understand but obviously there is some fascinating about that so hopefully you know i'm going to put my skills <laughs> and this. how did you get into calligraphy then oh again it's just a, a natural gift i think uh, i was a much much younger age i think of my, my no family first. connections that were interested no, really, no. no uncles father no, mother no, no, nobody no. was i just realized i was maybe in my you know uh, second year you know safatani and second hey. year or third year i realized oh you know there's something i can can do calligraphy in arabic um, and obviously arts uh, i wasn't so much into you know paintings i was much more into calligraphy um but i for some reason, I realized, and then I developed it into various, you know, woodwork. Uh, again, using calligraphy, I still have some of that work. Oh, wonderful! And I, I kind of have gifted and have uh, donated a lot of it to other, you know, you know, clubs and. Well, families. if you have some pictures of it, <laughs> send it over, and we'll include so. it. No worries, I'll, I'll try Absolutely. and dig something there. <laughs> Absolutely, that's wonderful. Yeah. So really, um, if you ask me, the ten years, I think I would love to um, be part of some sort of an education, and I'd love to you know, share my story uh, with others. I think I can inspire 
so many people. Um, I think I get, s I have some interest into that. Um, I think um, some of the younger generation, at least in my case, I didn't have the opportunity to be guided, okay? In, in terms of what I should do, um, my father actually, my late father, he was a trader, but he wasn't into education mm. or so. So, you know, today I want to fill in that gap and as much as I can, I would actually try and inspire people and uh, guide them into what they need to do. And if there's a lot of people who especially graduating from school, they don't have this uh, chance, right? They don't know what to do. There's no understudies There's anymore. No understand. And, I, and I always, when I speak to people coming from universities, I say, guys, what are you doing at the final year? You should really try and, and have classes, lessons, advising students of what to do next, right? We don't want everybody to go into computer science or everybody going into medicine, right? So I think there, there, there is a, an area where I can think I can help the younger generation. And uh, I've done a number of, um, you know, master MBA classes uh, on strategy and management and those mm. areas. But I think I'm more into hopefully helping the younger generation uh, make a decision on what to do in the future. And how do you see that as a capacity? Do you see do you see maybe as like maybe as as like a website where where you would structure it as almost like a university degree and people could sign up or however that would work? Or do you see that maybe like more of a one to one thing? Well, I think it's a combination. Um, I would love to do mentoring. Sure. Uh, mentoring is, is very close to my heart. Um, I've mentored so many people in the past, uh, but I think mentoring face-to-face -face rather than really digitally. I think there's so many resources digitally available today. And if you go on Google and just Google advice, you but I still think there is the personal- Tactile. Tactile kind of advice. I think people would listen to you, they would look at you, they would see how you talk, how you behave, and they try and, and be maybe inspired by you. You can't do this on a website. I, this is the problem. I think what would be really, <laughs> what would be really, really great if if you could somehow tie that in. I'm, I'm assuming that you're you're mostly going to be aiming at either entrepreneurs or middle management or or that kind of capacity. I'm, my assumption is, right. uh, if you could tie it in maybe with with some sort of like sponsorship program or something like that. That I think you can double. You can do a double whammy, right? right. You can you can yeah. help industries getting started, and at the same time, mm -hmm. be part of that industry and be like, hey, you know what? My years of experience has shown me that probably the best way to doing it is yep. this way. Yep, probably, and I think I probably um, have the ability to um, talk slightly lower than you know what um, sort of my my knowledge is. So I can maybe bring down. In terms of communication sure. skills, I can talk to you know students and maybe even people in, in in the lower grades in school, or I can talk to board members and CEOs and chairmen. So I've got that level of you know communication skills. I can basically target the person based on their understanding and, and their knowledge base. Yeah, absolutely. just establish a rapport uh, mm. and then be able to communicate. Uh, that's where I think I, my strength is, um, well, and I'd be able to. You're definitely blessed. <laughs> you're definitely blessed. I mean, this hopefully, I can maybe, you know, share these ideas uh, with some some of the younger generation, people who are really growing their careers. I think so. I think so. I think there's definitely a market for it. I, I mean, I don't know if if how financially viable that market would be, considering that Bahrain is you know 1.6 million people, yeah. but but as 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 from a humanitarian perspective, mm -hmm. as just for your your own legacy. Mm -hmm. Yes. Oh yeah, it's, it's going to be more of that, to be honest, rather than a commercial uh, product. I don't see this as commercial. It's, it's not. There's no interest in me being, a, you know, kind of, you know, selling 
or trying to market though i don't think that's the case i think it's more of uh, you know kind of a, a philanthropy kind of area or some sort of a, uh, a genuine advice that's all but don't uh, you do, let me be honest <laughs> with you though do you not hate all this social media co consultancy marketing nonsense where they say buy my program blah 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 yeah no i think that's that's purely commercial and I, I don't think that those are effective i don't think it's not just commercial i think it's it's i think in, i think i'll take it a step further i think it's un, it's unethical and i think it's robbery yeah i think so i think it's misleading uh, yeah to some extent um so i, I don't really support those kind of uh, you know Propaganda, I would say, it's just purely marketing, and I don't see it as effective. I mean, there's, there's, there are videos. If you know who Gary V is, who is very yes, popular, of yeah, yeah. It, 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 you know, my heart almost bleeds when I watch this poor woman coming on saying, you know what, I went to this course, I paid two thousand, four thousand dollars. I couldn't take my kids because I couldn't mm -hmm. afford buying a ticket, but I will take this knowledge and give it to them. Mm -hmm. Where I'm like, oh god. <laughs> Yeah, you know that that really hurts when yeah. you, when you no, see that kind you're, of stuff. You're right. I think I think no. I, I don't think that's that's right. I think what I'm talking about here is is being able to somehow in 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 certain forums, maybe through universities or schools or maybe you know onboarding summer interns or some sort of a forum where I can maybe at least help uh, generations to you know be inspired and to be very positive and optimistic as well. Um, and then, the, the, yeah. The but how do you teach that, though? How do you teach being positive? Well, I mean, you know, kind of by example, lead by example. So, mm -hmm. so people, I think, will need to see how positive you are. Um, people need to listen to, you know, stories to, sh to, to say, look, I mean, you don't have to be so negative because of you heard the negative comments from someone on, on WhatsApp. Mm. I think that's, that's really not wrong. And I think this is what I'm trying to fight. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, the ability not to, uh, you know, influence the younger generation by being too negative, especially mm. by people who have really left the the corporate world and uh, they, you know their life, the career life is over, but they're trying to you know propagate uh, negativity into the younger generation. Do you do you think that do you think there there is an addiction with the devices and the communication? Oh, absolutely. So you yeah. think there is there is oh, that yes. that there is that matrix yes, to it? Yes, no question. Hannah, Bec I because I, I know there's there there is real truth to what you're saying. There is a lot of people who left the industry who become a little maybe embittered. They didn't reach the position they wanted. Maybe they left on a sour note, mm -hmm. and they have that frustration, and then they just pass it uh, along absolutely. down. Absolutely right. And they found a fantastic channel, and that's social you know social social communication, social social networks. You know whether it's WhatsApp or. Or, or LinkedIn, you know, or, LinkedIn or TikTok or, or whatever or Instagram and they're spreading these negativities and uh, this is what I hated um, and especially on on you know groups you know various groups whether they're you know in, in WhatsApp and I can see it Hamad it's all, always there mm. very negative and this is what I'm trying to fight I think um, if I can you know at least you know show some mm. you know uh, affection and some help to you know tell the younger generation don't this is not, don't listen to that. I mean, th there's still a whole life outside of this community in Bahrain. Mm -hmm. There's a whole life, mm. right? It's, it's a fantastic place to be, but just don't be confined to what people is are you know, talking about in this country. Do you think it's fear that stops people from actively pursuing a greater picture? I know a lot of people are scared to travel. For, I don't know why, but yeah. but they're they're scared to experience things. You're right. I think that that could be a problem if if you can't you know see um, places outside of of Bahrain, uh, then that could be a problem, because you'd be restricted to what people are telling you in this community, and and it's a very small community relatively, right? 
um, and you will miss a lot of things happening around you in the world. I, but I think what, what, what frightens me is that, that, that they get negative influences from, from the social media channels, maybe from whatever their family relationships are, for whatever reason. And then they, they look at whatever is on Netflix or YouTube, and then they, they see this kind of this, this world, which they don't realize, that's not a real place, that's a set, that's mm -hmm. a script. You know, a team of people made that. That's not real, you know, or they put on nature channel and they see elephants and lions. They go, well, I don't need to go look at nature anymore. I, I see it. <laughs> yeah, there could be some truth to that, to be honest. I mean, you're right. I mean, there, there's definitely some, um, you know, influence by Netflix and that. But I, I still think, you know, it goes back to the uh, circles around sure, them. Sure, sure. The circles, the friends, their 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 fathers, their mothers, their you know friends of fathers. Sure. So that that kind of network, they're very close to them, and this is where I see the biggest danger. And, and how do you hope in, in in this country and in the world? And how do you believe we can tackle that? Well, um, I think it's important. Sorry to put you on the spot, by the no, way. No, no, no. <laughs> I think I think look, I think it's important that the, the people who are basically uh, spreading. Uh, these ideas to limit that to limit that i think they, they are mature enough to understand they're not doing good for their children and their f children's friends and their communities around them you know um if something happened to you in your career a uh, negative thing well you think uh, of course i have experienced negative uh, things and and failures do i spread it no way i will never mention i will probably mention look i mean look you know you need to fail so that you can get up and then do even work harder I'm not going to mention that to someone who is just graduating from university or from school. You know, the, the <laughs> I will always share success stories and, you know, show that there is life. But don't you think that 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 we need to somehow learn to appreciate failure as something beautiful? Oh, absolutely. Right. Because yes. when you fail, that means you took on something yes, bigger. Of course. That you had a chance of, of, of failing, which yes. is that in itself should be praised. Exactly. And this is what I said earlier. Right. If you fail, then you have to learn right from your failures it's a lesson and then you have to do even better next time right this is what i mean by failure so so i know a really interesting guy his name is david asprey and this is the way he teaches his kids by the way he's he, he gives them he, the, he he says to them you know make an action plan let's see what your to-do lists are blah 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 and whenever they fail to meet whatever the the, the whenever they sorry succeed meeting everything he goes to them and say oh that's really sad you know you you succeeded everything that means yeah. you know you you didn't think big enough exactly and yes. and so his kids have started yeah. practicing trying to to do more than what they can yes. Yes. and when they fail at one or two or three or four okay. he goes there and says oh that's really great you know you you dared to reach for something that's beyond your grasp absolutely absolutely i think i think this is what i think i think it's also for the younger generation to realize um you know this is not what it is in in, in the whole world there's there's, there's life there is uh, so many opportunities I mean, would love as much as possible to bring back brains to Bahrain and make sure they, you know, develop the economy and build the economy. But I think there's always life. Um, mm. There's always opportunities mm. uh, elsewhere. But, it, you know, I, I, but again, we are still, I mean, again, talking from a Bahraini kind of standpoint. Absolutely. We like our country. We'd love to be back. I think most of the people that I know who went outside, they came back at some point in time. Uh, this is this is home, right? Uh, at some point, but I, what I'm saying is for the younger generation, do not be put off by some of the um, sort of uh, negative 
you know, electricity that you see around you through social media and, and stuff like that. Do you believe that, that that's the only real way of growth is to go through a similar process of, of, of trial by fire like you have? Because you had to go all over the Gulf region in order to then become who you are today right. in Bahrain. Absolutely. There's no question on that, uh, Hamad. I think, look, having, working in, look, I worked with multiple cultures. Right? Of course. Uh, I can't remember how many nationalities of people that I spoke with, that I worked with, colleagues, friends. That helped really form your personality and you're, you're able to communicate to different cultures, right? So if you just stick to one culture, um, and that's not good because you haven't seen <laughs> you know, a lot more. Okay. You know? As just I said earlier, I mean, the, the more you talk to different people in different fields, you realize how much you don't know. <laughs> so, <laughs> I, okay, I will, take the, I will take the burden of saying it then since <laughs> you're setting so. me up for it. I'll say it. Okay, if so. you want to be great, you want to be successful in Bahrain, you have to go and explore the rest oh, of the world absolutely. to then come back go. and bring your success. Oh, I, I will put that this out there. It. You got it, you got it. I think that's, that's pretty much sums it up. <laughs> But I'm, I'm, I'm so happy to hear that. I, I find so many entrepreneurs, by the way, what is fascinating, if you don't mind me saying, uh, from all the entrepreneurs, all the business owners, every I've, I've met, they all have the same notion of what is success. They all say the same thing, community. Mm -hmm. Building a community. Profit isn't anywhere, you know, that it may, it's not even on the top five of their priorities. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. They said, you know, if I can keep the lights running, if I can pay the rent, I'm happy. Right. And mm -hmm. as long as the people who are, who are working there, the people mm -hmm. who are coming to do it, they're happy. Mm -hmm. And I, I was blown away by that. But as, as you know, in the U.S. and U.K., profit maximization. Right. I think, I think when it comes to entrepreneurs, I think, um, yes, I think most of them share the same values. And that's basically having a community, being part of a community. Um, you know, profit is, 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 I don't think it's, it's on, top of, on their top of priorities at, you know, when they start. But at some point, it has time, to move up. It will have to be. They will have to move up to that level. I Absolutely. think. Absolutely. But not not probably in the start. Um, I think uh, you still have to think in commercial ways. Obviously, and, you know, you're building a, a startup. You're building a um, an entity. So if it's not gonna make the numbers, then uh, you know it's 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 not gonna be viable, right? It's gonna be just a waste of time. So with with your managerial style, how do you convince your management team to look? at decisions not at five-year gap because that's always you know the problems with business ceos and boards try to look at 25 years mm -hmm. of applications and strategies while you know management always tries to somehow do yep. it in five years mm -hmm, mm -hmm. you know so today uh, when i talk to people at that level it's two years two years yeah, yeah yeah i said look i mean um the forecast and the outlook i can give you is up to two years especially if, again if you're in, in, in the technology world on the, the field of technology there's no way you can predict what's going to happen in two years. Actually, two years, that's, that's, that's too long mm. <laughs> in my world. But again, from a, a forecasting and, and business outlook, so I can go to maximum two years. Beyond that, it's just going to be complete nonsense. You cannot predict what's going to happen <laughs> in two years. The world is changing so much, Hamad. You cannot, no way anybody can say, oh, and I know the market will be at this level in two years from now. Or the technology... Uh, will stop at a certain level. No, I think I think there's so much going to happen in a two-year time frame. Da Dan, can you look up that commercial from from AT and T? They did one about what technology would look like in the 2000s, right. in the 1970s, <laughs> and they got a lot of things right, but they got it wrong in scale. Right. Yes. They never thought that you know a phone could be as small as your hand, <laughs> and it's it's a fantastic little ad. Yes. Uh, you can turn off the volume, yeah. Just make sure it's off the volume. 
I don't know which which ad it is, but it's one of them. So we can have it on the back yeah. <laughs> while we're talking. <laughs> no, I think I think yeah. You see, um, the, the world has changed. I think I think today when 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 I put in a, a business plan, and I'm, I'm doing it all the times, obviously. Um, mm. No, I think I put in two years maximum uh, in terms of what I can think of happening, or you know, as a forecast for mm. the business. Mm. That's and how I, that's how I can predict it. But beyond that, I'm sure you strategize longer yeah. than two years for decision and what kind of complexes you want to build or anything else like that. Y yes, but but then in terms of numbers, in sure. terms of forecast, financial forecasting, financial forecast. of course, that's natural. That's because natural. Things could really go either way. You could really make it and and really build a very, you know, huge pipeline of opportunities, or you, you don't make it. Mm. You know, if for example. Um, you know, there isn't enough uh, interest in a particular technology because it, it has become obsolete, for mm. example, in a year, then people won't really invest in that technology, whether it's a security technology, whether it's, a, you know, an art, you know, which is robotics technology, it could be anything. You say, oh, you know, I want to I want to invest, I want to focus on RPA, which is, you know, mm -hmm. robotics technology. Mm -hmm. And then in a year from now, people won't, they're not interested because something else has replaced that technology. No, I, absolutely, see. we see it with, with TVs right now, with QLED monitors, mm -hmm. OLED, uh, macro LED. Mm -hmm. um, we see that right now with Intel, where they're having trouble right now with the processors mm -hmm. because more and more are switching to RAM right. processors. You know what the uh, the Apple is right now using with their Correct. silicon? Correct, yes. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So basically it's in memory, right? It's in memory uh, processing. They're basically having the memory within the RAM. So you don't have to store data on your disk. Sure. So it be the, the, the computer will, be, will run much faster. Absolutely. And, and they're talking about 3D architecture as well on CPUs. So instead of being a CPU going lengthwise out, that it can actually scale upwards, right. which yes. is a fascinating yeah. concept. Yeah, absolutely. Right? Yeah. So it's changing, you see. And things are happening pretty fast. I mean, this is very difficult to basically predict what's going to happen in two years in technology specifically. Um, so, so yeah, that's that's how I uh, plan. No, I, I think it's it's <laughs> wonderful. Do you do you think that that Bahrain should should focus on on having on having web servers here in Bahrain? Well, um, the problem with that is electricity cost yeah. of electricity. I mean, for you cooling, you mean? For cooling, for running, you know, a lot of people misunderstand or misestimate, well, underestimate the cost. Sure. Um, if you know about uh, cryptocurrencies or sure. crypto mining, sure. Um, some people in Bahrain have attempted to do that, but then they realize the cost of the bills. Cooling, the, yeah. the electricity just uh, outpaces the what they're getting basically in, re in return. So you have to be careful in terms of where you are, uh, you know, geographically. Sure. Uh, maybe we're not really in a in a region where that makes sense. I, I will make a counter argument to that, <laughs> right, sir, if you don't mind me. Oh, absolutely. Look at Alba. This is, it, it's not the typical region where yes. you would have an aluminium company. Absol that's why they have their own power station. Right? Absolutely, absolutely. <laughs> but if you would have gone back in the 1970s, I think it was founded 1970s, I think the late 1970s yeah. was when, the, when it was first founded. Everyone thought, Middle East, yeah. aluminium, yes. factory? Doesn't make sense. Doesn't make sense. Doesn't right. make sense. Yes, yes you know? you're right. Yeah. So people, I think, to be a bit careful in terms of, uh, you know, looking at all, you know, the parameters sure. right, around having web servers or you know, mining, uh, you know, processing here, processors in Bahrain. Have to be careful, watch out for all the parameters. I, I think the future is, is, is underwater 
servers. I think Google has experimented uh, with it. Microsoft, actually. Or Microsoft. Microsoft, yeah. Where they had this, I think it was almost like a submarine, but. Yes, but with you're right. You're right. You're absolutely right. It's Microsoft. Yeah. And it's very well. It's worked very well. I think they own, the only issue was the seawater because the salt, because for the liquid cooling to occur, they need to somehow process the salt into regular drinking water. Right, and also corrosion. And corrosion. And, uh, yes. On the outside of the, the yeah. frame isn't so much, it, I mean, you can make that out of uh, out of stainless steel or whatever to, yeah. to, 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 to not get any iodization. Yeah. But but to somehow take in the water into cooling the chips. Right, yes. And obviously it, the, the, the concept worked. Uh, they had the challenges. Uh, I think they're still using it to some sure. extent. So you see this, this, all these ideas, right? I mean, you, n you never know what's going to happen. Absolutely. No, no, no. I, um, I, 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 because I'm a big believer in it because I think we have lots of natural resources. We have gas in abundance, yes. right? And we've got water in abundance. <laughs> so it could be a prime location. I exactly. Think. Just yeah. dump it right in the bottom of the sea, yes. get a gas line to power to electricity, and there you're done. Yeah, yeah. So, so yeah, could be. Why not? I said, yeah. Definitely. I, I don't know. I don't know. Because I, 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 I think of I think of always, you know, what can we do in the region that 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 it brings us out of just a simple a simple tertiary industry. Mm -hmm. Right. Every industry, every economy needs a primary, secondary and tertiary industry in, in this uh, you know, sense of services, mm -hmm. whether it be mm -hmm. banking, medical insurances. We still need, you know, either farmers for, for primary growing stuff or, 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 or mines or gas. I mean, we also need secondary, right? Car building, uh, 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 airplanes, whatever. Yeah, I think, I think look, um, the, look, Saudi, look at Saudi Arabia, for example, right? Sure. I mean, Saudi Arabia today, the economy in Saudi Arabia, in my view, is a lot more diversified Absolutely. and established compared, for example, to the UAE economy. Absolutely. Right? Absolutely. UAE economy is based on real estate. Absolutely. On tourism. Absolutely. that's it. But who has the two biggest funds in the world? Denmark and Saudi Arabia, right? right? Absolutely, yes. And, and, and it's a shame that both yeah. of them are not investing internally, both of them are yes. investing externally. Exactly, exactly. So Saudi Arabia is a fantastic example of how you know, you can turn around economies. I mean, the, they manufacture everything now, Ahmed. I mean, they can be, they're self-sufficient, right? In terms of food and uh, maybe technology and services and energy. They're still sufficient as a region, it, as a it, country. I, like I said, I, you know, I, my father's from Saudi. I'm Saudi as well. So I, I cannot stop praising MBS. I think what the achievements oh, that he's oh yeah. managed to, oh yes. to put through, yeah, you know, yeah, from, from... No question on that. Absolutely. I mean, yeah. just alone that we have a form... How long did it take to build a Formula One track? One oh, year? One year, yes. The uh, scale and the, the, the timeline they're using, I think it's unbelievable. And Defense Force, by the yeah. way, because uh, uh, there, there were some attacks uh, yeah. on Formula One's yes. track yeah. that they managed to... To to, yeah. to circumvent absolutely. I absolutely. mean, it's 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 unprecedented. Yeah, yeah. I think I think I mean, I have a friend of mine who just returned from Riyadh. Just mm. yesterday, he was in Riyadh, and he just told me just this morning, Jamil. I said, how was it? I haven't been to Riyadh for a uh, long time. He said, look, Jamil, I don't know when you <laughs> last you were in Riyadh, but if you go back now, it's it's a completely different country. From the moment you arrive, land in the airport, uh, to the moment you you know drive and you meet people, is a completely different country. No, and, and the timing that MBS has done it is, is unbelievable. In uh, the scale he's managed yes, to accomplish yes, it. Yes, but right? more than that, Hamad, is the, I always say this, is the, the diversified nature of the economy. Manufacturing, you know, energy, construction, IT, cryptocurrencies, you name it. And they have it there. But so let's also be honest, right? I think the reason the scale has been able to accomplish in the economy was because of competition.
Right. Competition is the always driving yeah. factor, right? Yeah. Uh, Saudi Arabia isn't anymore the 50% of the world producer of, of, right. of crude oil. Yes. We are now 10%. Yes. We have competition with Russia. U.S. Mm -hmm. is now exporting. And so that put an initial drive on, on the economy to diversify. Exactly. Which is good, right? It's, I agree. It's, it's, I'm with you. I'm with you. It, it kind of lessens the um, uh, you know, dependency on energy sector, right? To really promote and develop the economy. And that's the right way to do it. Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, so, I mean, with my full respect, obviously, to, to the UAE. Yeah, the, 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 they've done a great job, I think. The, the I, w I was in Dubai a few weeks ago. It's, it's still, every time I go there, it's, I, I get amused, to be honest. There's always something different. Right. But at the end of the day, the economy is still based on real estate, on, you know, people living there, um, you know, but not really and to diversify. There's not, there's not, there's not many manufacturing facilities or, or, you know, production of something to a scale where you can say, oh, it is really diversified. Do you do you not potentially see that? I mean, there's always a big debate that I have with a lot of people in this sector and industry, and they always make a same case argument where the financial where the financial PowerPoint is going to be, whether it's going to be in Riyadh, whether mm -hmm. it's going to be in Dubai. Mm -hmm. My case argument is Dubai is a more funner town to live in, mm -hmm. so you're going to more easily get consultants. Well, sorry to stop you there. Sure, sure. I'm not sure if that's going to continue, though. <laughs> I mean, from what Fair my friends point. have said, Fair point. said that Riyadh is, is a Fair completely point. different country now. Fair point. So but, but well, could not you sure for how long. Could you convince? Could you convince a consultant or, or from J.P. Morgan, Deutsche Bank, Goldman Sachs to be like, "Hey, live in Riyadh, where it's just sand"? Or do you want to be honest? Why not? Maybe that could be, uh, you know, uh, happening pretty soon. I, you know, the scale, as I just mentioned, I sure. mean, the the transition of the country that happened over the last year and a half, two sure. years, right, just tells you how much is gonna change in the country over the next six months, a year. Sure. So we could probably sitting here next year and say, "Oh, you know what." I well, was wrong. Going, or absolutely. I'm going to Riyadh for the weekend. Yeah, absolutely, <laughs> absolutely. It's so much attraction for me as a Bahraini, right? I'm absolutely. From an open society here. Oh, I'm just going to go to Riyadh for a weekend. Visa free travel, by yeah, the way. Just initial. Hop it, on the you know train, it, hopefully, and I can go to Riyadh in four hours. You never know. So I mean, people used to say this to Dubai. Oh, I'm just going to Dubai for. Okay, that makes sense. But going to Riyadh or Jeddah or even the, the Eastern Province. It's going to happen very soon. Let's also admit, better late than never, you know, with the whole visa-free travel yes. thing. That should have been initialized oh, yeah. like a long oh, yeah. time ago. Yeah, yeah, Just for, for business alone, yes. right? Yes, yes, absolutely. And, and, and I agree with more. I, I, it's, yeah. it's good that it's finally done, alhamdulillah. And let's look at it from yes. a positive always oh, notion. Yes, absolutely. There's no question on that. But I think Saudi Arabia, I think, is the, it's, 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 a, it's a fantastic region. I think uh, even, even in, in, in our current, in my current role, I'm obviously about to enter Saudi Arabia. Mm. Uh, with the company I'm running now for, for uh, you know, Yusuf bin Ahmed Khan, it's called mm. K-Soft. Mm. So we are basically about to enter the Saudi market pretty soon, and we're really very excited to go into that country. Are you, I, I would, what I see struggling with a lot of uh, middle-sized companies is, is how large, if, if they don't diversify quick enough into different regions, they get really cut and, mm. and pushed. But Telco is a perfect example. Yeah. Right, uh, um, uh, I forgot what the two, what the Saudi branch is. Um, uh, there's two big competitors Omnia? they have. Is it you talking about Saudi? But Patelco. Patelco is Bahraini, obviously, yeah. but they're right now being pu punished in the market right now by two companies who have just entered. Not just entered. Zayn, I think, is one of them. Okay. Which is Saudi, and what's the was other one? Etisala, maybe, or Dew. HTC? STC. STC? HTC? Maybe STC? STC. Okay. Both are, are, are Saudi funded. Both of them have way more cash reserves, yeah. obviously. Yes. And so if you've ever gone around the, the highway, the amount of commercials yes. that you see based on those two parts, yes. you can see. 
exactly. And, and you're absolutely right. I think to uh, diversify regionally is the key word key here. Yeah. I think, again, business-wise, what I've seen companies in Bahrain specifically do is that if they have chosen a specific field of business and they don't do well because there's so much competition and very less opportunities, they panic. And what they do, they try and do everything. Sure, yeah. Right? So yeah. what should have what should happen really? They should really say, okay, we've done it. We've we've tried this tech whatever field we've done it in Bahrain, but we can't grow because there isn't really enough opportunity. Let's go and try our luck elsewhere. Absolutely. Let's go to Saudi, to Kuwait, to Qatar, to uh, UAE. So wherever. Trend, but the same field, same type of field, right? So that's that's what I think the the growth strategy should be for for the next. I I couldn't agree with you more. I couldn't agree with you more. And I think so many, especially higher position people, they're so worried about being infamous. Yes. Right, making the wrong decision. Yeah. Right. The reason why Kodiak went, I mean, Kodiak owned the patent for the electronic uh, SLR, mm -hmm. but they failed to, to transist. Correct. Right. The same yes. thing with Blockbusters. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> oh, I mean, the stories goes along, along Kodak and uh, you absolutely. know, and, uh, VHS. <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely. So many companies, there's many examples. Uh, Sony almost went bankrupt until yes. they had the American CEO who said, yes. you know, this silos cultures yes. has to disappear. Yes, Nokia, right? That's a, but the biggest example is Nokia. I mean, see where they were. So there are, it is, I think there are, these are all lessons I think that companies need to watch out for. Uh, I think just to keep themselves open for ideas, uh, especially the younger generation, I think. I think you should always listen to what they say because tho those are going to be your customers in the future. And if you don't listen to them, then <laughs> you're in trouble. trouble. Absolutely. <laughs> well, wh what are you doing in Saudi? Are you going to try to introduce more cybersecurity wear? Correct. In yes. the firms. So we're basically into cybersecurity pretty much. Yeah. Uh, we're kind of I'm more of a, a, a very niche and focused mindset. So we're going to basically replicate a successful business model that we've done in Bahrain here. We're mm -hmm. going to replicate that in Saudi Arabia in the form of cybersecurity solutions, services, um, advisory services. Um, you know, we do a lot of security audits. And uh, do you have a target companies. scale that you would like to hit, you know? Well, um, again, um, you know. I mean, everyone would love to, to I mean, take Sabic, <laughs> right? Everyone would love that. So, but I mean, the, it's a big cake in Saudi sure. Arabia, I think. Uh, so many players. Uh, I still think there, there, there is a room for a GCC country being, being you know, part of Bahrain, owned by a Bahraini family. Sorry, sorry. I think we're miscommunicating for a second. Uh, what I meant is, do you have a size of companies that you're aiming to hit? Oh, right. right. Well, if, what's your preferred customer well, base in that it's sense? It's going to be the small and medium. Yeah. Um, sec segment of the market. Sure. Initially, we're not going to be targeting the larger. We, we can't, uh, basically. Uh, but we're going to maybe spend some time with the small to medium companies. Uh, we're already doing it, to be honest, in Saudi Arabia to some extent. Very like low, low, low kind of uh, focus, but we're going to target the segment. And, and the, uh, the, the, the business model would, I assume, would be subscription model. Yes. I mean, we have some services that based on subscription. So, for example, you want to basically create an awareness program Sure. For your staff. Sure. Um, and so we have that solution. So you say, okay, I want to basically be able to simulate cybersecurity attacks to my staff. Sure. It's part of the training. Sure. Right? So we can we have a subscription model for that. Sure. Uh, we have a subscription model, for example, for um, you know having a regular uh, test of your environment. If you want to have, for example, twice or three times a year, uh, what's called a vulnerability assessment. We basically try and do a stress testing on your systems uh, systems to, to just to make sure that oh you know but you forgot to close a door mm. right you're doing some work on your network and your network engineer forgot to close a door so we'll f we'll find that door and we'll tell you oh you know uh, Hamadi, i think you need to close the door because it's it's vulnerable 
and 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 do you do you do you are you worried that the client will will what's the right word will tell the rest of the staff because there's a lot of like weird mentality in human beings because they want to perform good in the test right and they hired you to do a stress test right right do you get what i'm saying well, or do you feel like you have to instruct them and be like hey you know what this is a stress test so don't tell the rest of your 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 company that this is going on exactly that's that's is this how it works so we don't basically inform the, the, okay. the staff. so this is the whole idea exactly um, and then basically we provide a report to you saying oh you know you have these issues uh, on your environment and you need to sort them out okay before you're basically attacked so do you tell them uh, the date of the attack or do you even keep that and we, say we keep like a window we, we keep a window we have a, like a, a weekend or during you know different times of the sure. day um for when example uh, we do test uh, midnight sometimes like low trade 2 a.m yeah and we we deploy teams international as well because of the time zones mm -hmm. because this kind of work requires uh timing as well for example if we're going to test a uh, vulnerability of a computer room in a in a company mm. we want to check who is logging on mm. to the servers right and at what time if we see someone logging on at 3 a.m right and which is not usually the case from the, Bombay, uh, right? <laughs> yeah, there must be something going on, right? So we basically alert, right? This is, goes into our report. Oh, by the way, there's this user is logging on. Can you just ch check that he's a valid user? And there was a reason why this person has logged on at 3 a.m. So it, th this is the kind of work that we do. Do you believe that the future of, of, of security will be will be card readers in a sense, like in the military style, DOD, um, everyone? From I think I think it's going to, to bio. A lot to bio, of, uh, yeah. yes, you know, IRS scanners and, uh, you know, oh, I, I, oh, sorry, I don't mean on location security. I mean, like, device to email to clients. Oh, right. So I think there's so much technology today. I think uh, the two-factor authentication is the big one. Mm. Is when, basically, they use multiple verifications mm -hmm. to make sure that, you know, the identity is of Hamad is Hamad, actually. You get a text message saying, hey, did you log in yeah. or whatever. Uh, you can have even three-factor authentication. You can have, you know, a, a, a message, an SMS, a phone call, and maybe a password. Sure. It's a three-way if you really want to be secure, just to make sure that it is you, uh, Hamad, who is logging on to your bank account. The, the f I, because I spoke to some security experts with, with the DOD at the time, and uh, they were mentioning to me that, that for their sites, uh, the device that you take in your phone has to be wiped both on entry and exit wow. of the facility, wow. which I was I was just amazed by. So don't take your device. Exactly. <laughs> Keep it at home. Exactly. <laughs> he, he, he was explaining to me that that even even their their to access any computer system like off base, you know, because they have like different hierarchy of of, uh -huh. of clearances based on what information can be accessed outside of of the designated yeah. security room. Mm -hmm. Uh, it is all done with with a card reader. Mm -hmm. So you actually have a card reader USB that attaches. You plug it in. Mm -hmm. the, the the you have to type in a password. It connects to that server yeah. and then gives you a region of access that you get to have. Right. It's yes. it's. Look, that's that's not for companies, by the way. That's yeah, way too. Know, just like, too. That's going really extensive. Here, exactly. But, but there are different methodologies for uh, verification of what's called identity management. It's called sure. Identity management. This is the field of security. Identity management, but it's done in different ways. Sure, 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 sure. So many different. Uh, you know, ways to verify someone's identity. Do you believe that the, that the courts have an important role to play on on how how companies will? My thinking on this is, let me explain it in a better way. Is is sooner or later the courts, internationally, domestically, whatever, will punish companies harder for not securing that data better? 
Oh, I don't know if you heard of the Bahrain Personal Data Protection, Protection Agency or Act, I think. A law, actually. It's called oh, it's, it's PDPL, it's which is yeah. Bahrain PDPL, Personal Data Protection Law, mm -hmm. which has been um, enforced in August 2018. Mm -hmm. um, announced, but hasn't formally uh, kind of enforced. Uh, I think the government is deployed to one of the big fours mm -hmm. uh, to uh, really, just like how, the, how, how they've done the VAT, mm. doing something similar. And it's managed by the Bahrain courts here. Um, so that law is very important, and I think um, a lot of people don't understand the fines um, and the punishments involved. It's really hard stuff, up to imprisonments, right? Um, but it basically uh, says, right, when you go to a particular department store here and, and you want to buy something, and you go to the cashier, and the first thing they ask you is, can I have your mobile number? Email address. No, you address. cannot have my mobile number. So what do you need my mobile number for? Right? Today, that law is not here in Bahrain. Mm. So what I'm doing here today, if somebody asks me, I just give them all Whatever. kind of numbers sure. and give them different names. Every time it's different, <laughs> different numbers, different names. I don't know who these people are. So, um, you know, and, and that's going to protect the person. I think that's going to I do the hit. same thing, by the way. I, d <laughs> I always give one, two, three, four, five, six. <laughs> and I just say John Doe. <laughs> I give them weird names and weird numbers, so I never give my number, you know. So that law will make sure that, you know, the, these people don't ask for any personal data that they don't, they don't need to keep in their systems. Absolutely. Right? So um, I think that's coming to our region. Uh, as you know, GDPR in, in Europe has already been rolled out, but uh, PDPL is coming to Bahrain here. Um, within British. I think. What, I mean, that will give a huge boom to the industry, especially oh, in security. Oh, absolutely. Right. Absolutely. I, as long uh, yeah, it, as yeah. soon as there's there's a there's a stick involved, yes. then people. Oh, absolutely, will. absolutely. And you can't imagine, especially when you look at the uh, healthcare sector, for example, mm. the amount of information they, they they hold, and they don't care. I mean, you know, if if someone accesses a patient's record, so what? Because there's no regulations, right? There's no law to say, oh, if somebody, if your systems are hacked and a patient's information, history, history, historical information are spread, then you will be punished. There's no law oh, yet. Even the worst would be if it gets hacked and, and patient's information is suddenly missing. Absolutely. I mean, you could share this with insurance companies, right? Absolutely. Um, and they say, oh, he's like, you know, 500 potential clients to us. So you can sell this information. So, you know, there's no, the law is, I mean, it's been announced, but it hasn't been enforced, you know, harshly yet. It, it will come. It will come. It'll just I a question of, of when, I think. The pandemic has delayed it a little bit. It's yes. Because it was launched and, you know, announced in 2018, but 19 was supposed to be um, enforced, but it got delayed and then pandemic hit. So everything got uh, slowed down. Still. Yeah. No, I, I, I honestly believe as time prog will progress, I think not just these laws, I think there's going to be more and more stringent laws evolving around Data Protection yeah. Act, right? Mm -hmm. Privacy rights, all these, these notions. And they're, they're going to scale the financial uh, uh, oh, yes. punishments. Absolutely, and it's going to it's going to you know create a boom in in the cybersecurity world because and data protection and privacy uh, solutions because companies will now become more responsible for the information they store about a citizen of Bahrain. Absolutely, right? absolutely. This is, this is where so to do that you need to have systems and processes and procedures in place to ensure the data is 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 held privately. Um, and securely. I agree. I think one day companies will wake up and say, well, we cannot afford. <laughs> well, <laughs> you shouldn't be in business. <laughs> no, no. I, in the sense, like, we cannot afford to be punished this oh, way. Oh, I see. Yes, right? Yes. I think that one day the company, yeah. like with a car, right? Yes. You cannot afford to drive without an yes. insurance. Absolutely. Right? Absolutely. It's going gonna, gonna to get hit that actually pretty soon in Bahraini, I think.
Yeah, which is really important. I think so too. I think yeah, so too. Yeah, these yeah. these these are just the prices of, of what we're going to see with with innovation. Mm -hmm. I, I'd like to see more companies, more entrepreneurs, more yep. businesses opening across the region, mm -hmm. right? I think to spread. Uh, uh, and I think what's really great about Bahrainis yeah. and for Bahrain is if you can you can go learn, yeah. meet people, explore. And bring those exactly. resources back. This is exactly what I was talking about earlier. It's, there's nothing wrong in, in, in spending a few years in, in, in the US or in Europe or in I don't know, Germany or in Japan and, and sometime, at some point in time, come back to Bahrain and bring all this expertise and knowledge to flourish this country. I think it's, it's a fertile company. It's beautiful socially, economically, uh, you name it. Fantastic country to live in. Mm. It's just we need some of these brains to come back and then build on, on the successes of the past, right? I've seen a time in Bahrain, even in my, you know, my life you know, in the 70s, this country economically has been flourishing. I mean, even if you go to Babel Bahrain, you know, it's normal Babel Bahrain here. I've seen that. It's not f so long ago. I'm talking about probably late 70s. You can't walk. You couldn't, I couldn't walk uh, because of the people, how mm. crowded the market was and shops and commercial life was really booming in Bahrain. This is before even Dubai or even Saudi Arabia or all these countries were, were, were not really in the picture at all. Talking just about just Bahrain because people were coming to Bahrain to do business. So the, the ground's still there as if you have like, you know, a, a, a kind of a garden and it just needs to be flourished and, you know, you know put fertiles in it and just to flourish it again. I mean, I, I remember a day, I, I still remember a time when, when uh, the, the the hotel, um, uh, what's the name of it? The, the, the one here down the road from here. Oh. Um, Fort, not Four Seasons. Four Seasons didn't exist that long. Oh, the Ritz. Ritz, Ritz, Ritz but Before it was called uh, Meridian. Meridian. Yeah, Lou Meridian, yes. And they've only existed, that hotel, for less than 28 yeah. years. Yes, yes. Right? Imagine. Yeah, it still it looks good. It, it's it's it still looks good, but it. it's, it's also become a staple of Bahrain, right? Oh, yes. When you look at images of Bahrain, it's, that is one there. of the key icons. It's there, yes. yes. And to I imagine that just less than 28 years ago. Yes. Absolutely. There was nothing. I think, I think it's great. Uh, you know, I, I really wish all the younger generations graduating this year, sure. they go into university and, and learn and spend years. It doesn't matter, three, four, five years, doesn't matter. But come back to Bahrain, please. I agree. And then build this economy, this beautiful place to be in. I agree. I agree. I agree, sir. I, you know, even um, if you if we go to 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 the hotel Gulf Hotel, uh huh, Gulf Hotel, Gulf Hotel. Mm -hmm. There's the pictures where how it looked like in the 1960s. Oh yes. Oh yes. Oh yeah, that, yeah. Absolutely. It was right on the on the sea. Right. It was a, it's a beach hotel. Yeah. It used to be a beach hotel. Yeah. <laughs> to think about that, isn't that amazing? Yes. Yes. Definitely. I haven't seen those days. I think I think my time was after. They, uh, they I'm not insinuating <laughs> anywhere here. I mean, I wasn't there either. I'm not that old. <laughs> no, no. But it's beautiful pictures to see. Yes, but uh, it's, 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 it's great. I think, I mean, I've seen the, um, you know, exhibition road. I've mm -hmm. seen that complete, uh, you know, dust uh, with some maybe uh, tents that were used for exhibitions. I've seen mm -hmm. that. I can remember those. Again, mm -hmm. those are 70s. This is the kind of what I can remember, early 80s. Uh, but then things have changed, you know, it's, it's developed. There's no question on that. But we just want to really build on the success of the past. Do you, do you believe that our culture is going to go through the same as what India has gone through? In, uh, that in, what, in what way? It, it, before Modi, it was incredibly westernized. And now after Modi, the prime minister, it's become incredibly nationalized. 
Mm. And it's been a return of, of, of clothing, return of music. It's, it's almost a renaissance of their culture. Yeah, well, I mean, I'm not sure if that's going to happen, happen in Bahrain. I think it's, it's Bahrain is becoming now multicultural. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think which is nothing wrong with that. I think it's, it's important to have multicultures in Bahrain. I mean, it's always been like this mm. in a smaller scales, right? Even in the past, we had people from different cultures living in Bahrain. It's it's not it's not really something new. It's now it was just part of it was part of Rome at one of point, course, yes. right? I mean, we go yes. back two thousand years ago. Yes. My father had friends from you know um, from India, from Iran, from Iraq, from you know even you know uh, we had Jews in Bahrain, mm. right? Um, Nunu and BFC, mm. all these names were friends of of my family. They mm. were it were all in the souk in Babel Bahrain, and they're all very close community. You know, they were they were trading and, and they know each other very well. So culturally, Bahrain has always been welcoming uh, a culture. It's a, it's a country that welcomes cultures compared to the other regions. Vo- Voltaire makes an interesting, I mean, if, if, if you have a chance, read Voltaire. I mean, maybe you have already. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's a writer from the Renaissance period, and he makes a point that, that the Christian, the Jew, and the Muslim can sit together and, 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 and merchandise and and f- on the financial institution, mm-hmm. that's the only time where where everything can can work. And I think that the more we have business and oh, trades, yes. yeah. the better it is for everyone around. Yes, absolutely. And again, by having our, you know, um, you know, uh, children uh, travel outside of Bahrain to mix with you know foreign uh, cultures and come back to Bahrain, hopefully with with a global mind, that's how I see Bahrain turning in the future. Right, being a global country. Um, I, I, mean, I, I mean, again, when I did my master MBA, um, I mean, there was a lot of reference in one of some of the subjects to Singapore. Mm. So we were comparing Bahrain to Singapore a lot. That was, that, yeah. my God, yeah. that was a different era yes. back then. It's, it's a different era. And I think Bahrain has its own flavor, its own personality, right, which Singaporeans don't have. Right. So we can still build on, a, you know, on the success of, of Singapore, but I think we can be different. Right. Um, so we have that culture, we have that history, and we can easily build on that. Do you, um, do you remember that during the bread exit, I think some politicians came out and said, we will be like Singapore in the 70s? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> what nonsense. Singapore had no regulations. It was business yeah, first. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. I mean, it's a completely, very successful country. I have yeah, to absolutely. Say yeah. B- because they also cared about it. That's not the UK. Yeah, yeah no way. Not, not in the UK. <laughs> I mean, it, it is incredibly, it is incredibly, uh, uh, com- not the right word isn't commercialized, but, but I think the right word is they have such stringent laws on businesses, on how they can grow and how they can develop, uh-huh. that it's, it's, it's killing their own industry. In, in a multicultural environment, environment. Well. They have managed to somehow, you know, uh, blend all these cultures together to create an economy, a very strong economy. Sure, I think absolutely. Bahrain, there's some lessons, but I, I still think Bahrain has its own... Uh, personality. I agree. Uh, such, which is, you know, the culture, the Arab, the Islam. I agree. There's some of that that can be different from Singapore. So, so I see Bahrain right now going more and more into the in- medical industry. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm, I'm especially down by Doha, uh, near the, the military defense for uh, the pilots. There's another hospital that is, I think, being built right now mm, right. with combination with Saudi Arabia. Uh-huh. It's meant to be one of the biggest hospitals in Bahrain. Right. I, think, I think it's the King Abdullah, I think. I, I believe so. King Abdullah, yeah, I think. And uh, do you think that Bahrain will be, will become the medical center? Oh, it has a lot of potential for of that. It's already the Middle East. It's have a number of 
medical institutions we have in Bahrain here is alarming, Absolutely. to be honest. Absolutely. I mean, I go sometimes to Europe and, uh, you know, I drive around and I hardly see any, any hospital. <laughs> so you wonder what's Bahrain going on, here. yeah. <laughs> so many medical institutions around. So maybe this is the future and, and it's good because, um, you know, one, one area I think which Bahrain could really, um, you know, invest in, which is to attract, um, you know, retirement uh, people, retired people. So Bahrain can become an attraction to people who would really like to spend um, retirement days here. I agree. I agree. Um, I know it sounds, you know, a bit, um, you know, I don't know, it's not fa exciting, but sure. that's the reality. Sure. We have fantastic medical, you know, healthcare system. The country is easy to sure. live in. Uh, you know, Dubai probably could be too fast, too expensive, sure. too large. Do Bahrain is, is much more... Do you, you see know, it more like, like Turkey, where, where it's more like middle class? Or do you see it like uh, Monte Carlo, where it's where it's? I mean, Monte Carlo is famous yes. for for attracting yeah, yeah. retired billionaires and millionaires. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Probably going to be more of uh, Turkey. I think it's more yeah. of a middle class. This is my, my view. I could sure. be wrong, but I'd love love to make it even you know higher value uh, place to live in. But I think we have all the infrastructure, the uh, the the kind of the social right, the social aspects of the country is different, very unique to Bahrain, absolutely compared to all the other countries. Absolutely, yeah. And and where where would you see that the 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 property then more booming? Would you see it more in the Sif, or would you see it more in Muharraq, or would you see it more in? Well, I think look, I think um, Diyar al-Muharraq has now come up quite nicely. Sure, uh, that's a really I think with the new development of the the bridge. Sure. I think that's going to really make that uh, part of the country boom a lot. Um, I'm not sure if, um, you know, the Sif area has sufficient uh, space. Maybe they can reclaim some more sea, but I think it's almost full. Um, there are new areas like, you know, um, you know, Medina Salman is, is another area. I think that's going to definitely boom. Um, then you have the conventional areas. I think um, areas where, you know, probably are closer to the sea will definitely have a higher chance of, of development. You have a fantastic area uh, that's being developed, which is uh, Bilaj al-Jazair, mm -hmm, mm -hmm, right? Mm -hmm, um, mm -hmm. By Idama and mm -hmm. uh, other companies. That's a fantastic, and I've seen a, I've seen a model uh, of that uh, area. It's it's a city, it's a whole mm. city, uh, Hamad. It's, it's unbelievable. From if, if they continue on that project, it will be fantastic. I mean, you have also Um al Hassan, right? That is just Hassan, yeah. it just ripe for for oh new yes. new uh, a new financing, yes. new money. Oh yes. Get oh rid yes. of some of these buildings that have yeah. been there since yeah. 30, 40 years. Yeah, that's the point. So block three, three, eight, and all these. Absolutely. Areas. Oh, no, no, that, that's definitely. And you're right uh, next to the coastline as well. It's a attraction. It's Absolutely. a tourist attraction, though. <laughs> and, and you have the, um, what is the American area called? I keep forgetting. Yeah, Jaffair. Jaffair. You yeah. also have Jaffair. Yes. That it has a lot of skyscrapers. Oh, yes. yes. I think it just needs a, a little bit more, I think it, not parks, s some sort of like gathering area because you have a lot of high scale yes. buildings. Yes. But yes. there feels like there's no activity. Yeah. The, the, the urban planning. The urban, urban planning, planning. Is, is missing probably there. Uh, yeah. I think, uh, you know, Block 338 and all Adlia area, I think that's... Uh, it's, it's a much more, I think, um, it's a better planned place, I think. And it's still coming. There's always new development in that area, in that Absolutely. block. Absolutely. It's coming every day. It's a fantastic place to be in. I, I completely agree yes. with you. I completely <laughs> agree with you. So looking at it now, hindsight, 2020, if you were a 20-year-old man, what area would you try to get an apartment in? What area would you say, hey, you know what? Well, I think it's, it's good to, to invest in Bahrain. I, mean, I see mm -hmm. people investing in Turkey and in Europe and the UK. I still think Bahrain still has a lot of... I'm with you 100%. I'm it's with potential. you. Um, I love the uh, the Bahrain Bay. 
area. Uh, mm-hmm. It's it's it's. I, w- I would love to buy a, a property in there as well. Mm-hmm. For someone who is young, uh, I think that's a fantastic area. There's so many oppor- you know opportunities there in in Bahrain uh, Bahrain Bay. Uh, that's that's an area that I would definitely encourage people uh, to live in. I I, I totally very agree. cosmopolitan. It's very modern. Uh, I think it's close. It's not that far. Very modern, stylish building. And and how do you feel that the tourism in Saudi and Bahrain is is going to carry forward? Do you think that a lot of Saudis are going to come and buy vacation homes here, which I can very well imagine, mm-hmm. especially people from maybe Katif or maybe from Damam, mm-hmm. maybe a little even further out than Riyadh, mm-hmm. might might come here and say, you know what, I would love to. Especially flight tickets get cheaper mm-hmm. again. Mm-hmm. Where they can take a quick plane, oh, we can have a train or know, train on the, new, on the new causeway, right? Exactly. We have a train that's going to make it completely different environment. Look, I think I still think you know, even if if Saudi, um, even the eastern province transforms and transitions, I still think people would love to come to Bahrain, just like how Bahrainis love to go to Saudi for dinner. I know mm. some friends just go to Al Thigba here. Yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, where are you going? Oh, we're just going to Thigba for dinner. Really? Yeah. I mean, yeah. we have so many restaurants. Yeah, yeah, for a change. Yeah. You know, so that kind of it's a human nature. You want to have a change. You want to basically still see people still see Bahrain as 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 a fantastic, relaxing. I uh, agree. Space. I, I completely agree with I you. I mean, the shopping, right? Why would people shop at Moda Mall from Saudi Arabia? Saudi Arabia, Moda Mall is is very much um, flourishes during the weekends. Mm, mm. It's because people coming from Saudi Arabia as well. I mean, if you go during the week, it's empty, but then during the weekend, it's it's quite full, and because people love to to shop around and spend more time different from their routine area. Even if it's marvelous area, they still want to have a change. I, I think there, there are certain, I mean, it's, it's beautiful to see that these countries are, are so interlocked and, and, and there, are, there are services, not just businesses. And, and uh, one of the key examples, I think, when Saudi was almost locked down for two years, mm-hmm. the people who were crying the most that I was hearing were two people, the dry cleaners. Right. And <laughs> because, you know, you stay in a hotel, whatever else, yes. before you go home, you want to have clean clothes, yeah. right? Yeah. And the other one was the shisha places. Right. <laughs> and I was, I was really surprised uh, by yes. that. Yeah, yeah. And I, I found it amazing how, how you, you can build an economy that is, that is, that is almost so <laughs> parasympathetic. Right. Right? Yes. And the, at the two. Yes. It's oh, great. Absolutely. absolutely. I mean, obviously, um, you know, everybody's welcome here in Bahrain. Uh, I think Symbiotic is what I'm looking oh, for. Yes. Oh, definitely. Yeah. Yep. Anything else you'd like to say, sir? Anything else you'd like to say to the to the larger crowd or people? Well, I mean, it's it's really wonderful to to have really been um, you know invited to the session. Any time, any time. Definitely, um, you know, a, a fantastic uh, forum for for people like myself who's been through many experiences to share those ideas and, and thoughts, uh, specifically with the younger generation. And I just want to again repeat uh, again the the idea and the notion about being positive and uh, optimistic about life and future. Um, and I think, as I realized, the issue is, is, is to do with the size of and, and the closed community that we have in Bahrain. Um, so I think uh, I would advise people to basically look outside Bahrain. Um, if you have the opportunity to experience uh, work, uh, you know, to have an experience outside of Bahrain, just do it. I think that's that's what I would say. Let's take it to the next level then. I'm 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 gonna hold you in for another ten minutes because you brought this up now. <laughs> Sorry now. Do you do, do you believe that that companies should actively create funds, put aside profit, not profit, not put aside, but put aside at least a fund where they take their best employees, their the highest achievers, the most active ones, and say, hey, listen here, we think you're whatever out of hundred. Let's pick ten. We think you ten really deserve it. You've worked hard. 
we want to send you to do any kind of training con- further out. Do well, you think that? Yeah, I don't know if you've heard of Tamkeen in Bahrain. Yes. Yes. Tamkeen has a program for that, right? Yes. So they would defi- definitely contribute Just to so. a program like this. Um, but with only within its own field. Sorry to interrupt you, by the way. Well, I mean, yeah, why not? I mean, if, if for example, you are a bank and you will have a sort of a management training program for new graduates, fresh graduates, and then you would pick, um, you know, the, the, the most, um, you know, the, 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 the highest uh, skilled and the most active, um, you know, maybe five or ten, and then send them outside um, and have some sort of a collaboration with another bank in, in the city or in, in, you know, in New York. Japan, New York, Japan, Hong Kong, so whatever. experience, okay, without any obligation, right? Mm. So you, you kind of remove that pressure of, oh, I'm obliged to go back and, and continue. These people might be able to find other opportunities while they're there. Mm-hmm. So what? Okay, one day they will come back, but they have a loyal right, loyalty towards you, right? If you have initiated that program. So I think this is a great idea. I think it will have fantastic funding from Tamkeen and from, from some of the governments. Look, I've, when I was at Mumtalakat, I uh, kind of led a program. Mm. Again, this is very close to my heart, and I have to share it here. Mm. Uh, a program um, that was uh, done um, between the University of Bahrain, mm-hmm. uh, Microsoft, because I was obviously in the field of technology, and uh, Gulf Future Business. Oh, uh, wow. so one of my uh, friends uh, was running this business. And whereby we basically take 15 top uh, achievers from the computer science um, in, in year three, and we basically put them through training programs, right, in the year three. So that's basically one year before they graduate. So, and then walk them through the training and skills development and uh, nourish them. So they go back to their final year, and, but they're equipped with certifications from Microsoft. So when they graduate, mm-hmm. they will be immediately marketable, mm. immediately skilled. Mm. They have their degrees, plus they have their professional certification. Do, do you believe universities, if you, if you had the opportunity to, to, to convince universities and say, hey, listen, you know what, whatever an underground is, I think it's three years in mm-hmm. Bahrain? Or uh, is it four? I think four years. Okay, four so years. it's US style. So uh, say, mm-hmm. okay, I, we should, for the last year, let's make it three and a half, the other half, Let's initiate these students and find for them placements. Mm-hmm. Find them placements and wherever the top guys mm-hmm. go to Goldman, go to Microsoft, wherever. Mm-hmm. If you're lower down the rankings because you know you didn't achieve that well or you you don't care, we send you to something local. Mm-hmm. But everyone who, who who after that university has experience. They in that probably sense. have something like that. I don't know to be honest, uh, Hamad. I think they probably have something like that. But I think we need to see more. We need to see more um, these of these programs funded by. The um, the enterprises. Sure. You know, it's not, it's not we just don't depend on the the government or or the university. I think the industry should also invest in these programs. I completely agree. Um, I, that, that's why I asked you about whether or not you think CEOs and and, and companies should make those funds. Oh, absolutely, <laughs> they should. To be honest, they should allocate uh, fund again with no obligation. So at least it, yes. it, relie- it relieves the, the the individual from the pressure absolutely. of having. Oh, I'm obliged here. No, I think you've done very well. You're at you know an A star person or uh, uh, individual. I think you deserve to be to have this opportunity, to be given this opportunity. I, I totally agree. Yeah. I, I totally agree. I mean, I have a great story with Deutsche Bahn. I, I met one of the execs there once, and he was. He, we were talking about how to trade staff, how to like maximize mm-hmm. your returns, uh, and he was he was mentioning to me that if he has someone in in the firm in his hierarchical chain, that there isn't a position higher available. 
-hmm. He will actively try to push them out. Okay. And I, w I was See? stunned by that. Yes. And I, I was like, you, you're, you, you spend all this time yeah. training, you know, vetting, getting this good resource. And he said, no, you don't understand. Yeah. When he goes to a different industry, we are still then connected, mm -hmm. right? He will spread for in that corporation, that culture, our good intentions and how we care about our staff. And he will more likely do business with us than with any other competitor. Mm -hmm. but, that, but, that, but that, again, you're talking about leadership here, right? So Absolutely. leadership is, that's, that's really a very strong signal of strong leader. Absolutely. Um, not everybody uh, would do that, unfortunately. Sure, <laughs> sure. You know, it, people who are really uh, possess strong leadership skills would definitely push uh, the, uh, they would recognize those who are really great achievers and then they would push them. But um, I mean, don't forget, Deutsche Bahn is a nationalized business. Yes. I mean, that's yeah. unbelievable. I've never yeah, heard yeah, of that right. kind of thing ever in the world. Absolutely. Yes. And, yeah, and, yeah. and he yeah. says that's our entire culture. Our entire yes. culture, because we're nationalized, we yeah. have that excess funding, yes. we can do these yes. things. Yes, yes. There's no question. I think, I think. Blew my mind. Yeah, there's still, you know, um, I know a, a number of banks in Bahrain, for example, they fund the, uh, the Crown Prince uh, scholarship program. Yes. That yes. by itself is an example of, of how they allocate these funds. But I think they still, we need more. We need more from you know, uh, employees, right? Uh, fresh graduates who join the workforce um, in various organizations, they should be recognized. Those who really are high achievers, they should be you know, given the opportunity to see and experience world outside of Bahrain. And, and very do important. You, do, you, do you believe that in order, because sorry to bring this back to what you were saying, to, to get these people in the right mindset, to get them out of a, a negative mindset into a positive mindset, how would you be able to, to control that interactions? We talked about trying to limit maybe through LinkedIn or WhatsApp about the kind of negativity that you can spread. Mm -hmm. M maybe, you know, pointing out and calling it out and being like, hey, you know what, let younger generation, but for that to occur, you need to have strong characters necessary mm -hmm. to be able to, like yourself, to say, guys, cut it out. Right. Right? Yes, absolutely. Um, I think, I think, yeah, you're, you're right. I think, again, the, the educational institutions in Bahrain need to play a major, a major role, role in this. What's missing mm -hmm. here is the um, ability to, um, you know, bridge and expose students, uh, university students, to the real, real life. Mm. Right? Um, I see that's missing. Th I see there is a missing component in terms of preparation. Application versus theory. Yes. Yes. Right? Even preparation of CVs and prepa preparing the, the students uh, to, the, uh, to the real world, that's, I think, missing. Maybe they're doing a bit of it, but uh, for example, in the US, you, they have career, what they call it, the career, career advisor. Career, no, career shows. Oh, career shows, yeah. Yeah, they have, they have careers and they have all these big companies going into the universities and you know, advert advertising for intakes, uh, internships. Uh, so that's, maybe it's happening to a very, you know, I think Bahrain Polytechnic is doing it to some extent, but we need to see more. I, I would love to see, I would, in my, I mean, this, this might be a bit too much and it might not be functional, but I'd love to see for graduates, in order to graduate with your degree, you have to sit at least six months at an actual business. Right. Right, because yes. in the UK they do offer systems where they say, hey, you know what, your last year of graduation, we can offer you placement and X and X and X. But a lot of students, lazy, yeah, yeah. they you, go. You know what, I think, I think the, the degree I did, I did two years mm -hmm. of uh, education, mm -hmm. uh, and then I came back to Bahrain, mm -hmm. and I did 12 months of training at Bahrain Petroleum Company. Fantastic. And then I went back, Fantastic. and I did my final year. Fantastic. Trust me, Hamad, I think that year has contributed a lot to my end results. Fantastic. Of, you know, I learned a lot and I applied it into my final year project and I did very well. It's just because of the knowledge that I captured during my training at Babco. 
But don't you feel like universities then should make that as a rule for graduates? Hey, you know what? You want your degree? Go work six months. Of course. At, at because you know why? Because you become more employable. You I agree. You become employable immediately. I agree after, with you. After you leave. I agree with you. But I think that's what the education system needs to change. They need to say mm -hmm. to the students, hey, you know what? You paid your money. Sorry. You, you're working for your degree. Great. And if you want that pass, you want that grade, you got to go and work right. for six months and you have to bring back whatever a letter or Absolutely. your performance yes. or whatever else. There's no question on that. I think that's definitely an added, you know, um, is a part of, of on the university's part. Basically. Uh, yeah, so I think that so curriculum basically needs what to you're be saying added. is the universities need to play a role as well as the, the businesses, enterprises need to play a role. Absolutely. Uh, both, I think, should. Uh, Especially a lot of these private universities, right, that, that, that have the excess funding necessary to order to attract these businesses mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and say, hey, you know what, if you're willing to take our students, we can, we can do a donation or we can do whatever yes. to, to then secure them a placement. Absolutely, absolutely. Can't yeah. agree with you more. <laughs> perfect, perfect. Anything else that you'd like to say, sir? Well, thank you so much. It is great to, uh, you know, uh, to be here, and I hope I have shared some of my ideas uh, and thoughts, and I hope people can basically listen. I'm happy to, uh, again, engage with anyone who is really looking to uh, you know, move into a different uh, technology world. If, mm -hmm. if they, they're not sure whether this is the right field for me or not, I can definitely advise uh, anyone. <laughs> would, would, how would, would you like people to contact you potentially? Why not? Yes, of course. I'm available, obviously. Uh, sure. I mean, my LinkedIn uh, profile, I think maybe you can share it. Sure. Uh, and then people can do you have a, touch. Do you have more public one? Do you have maybe a Twitter or something that you use no, that I'm isn't? No, I'm not that really social active media. on social media. Sure. I have some reservation on that. Sure, sure. That's fair. That's <laughs> I'm fair. probably more of a, uh, a LinkedIn person, okay. maybe. I see that as a, a great channel. I think I just kind of uh, channeled everything through LinkedIn. Okay, perfect. Well, it was a pleasure, sir. Again, uh, please. Uh, <laughs> <sing>. <laughs> Sorry, it's been a long episode. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah. Okay. Uh, so everyone out there, please follow Jamil. Go on his LinkedIn. It's in the bio. Uh, message him directly. Thank you. If you have any questions, and if you don't have any questions, just message him and say, you know, thank you. It was a great show. Hello, whatever you'd like. Thank you so much. Yeah, thank and you if your inbox in inbox is full, then you know, no sorry, worries. don't complain to me then. <laughs> no, happy, happy to have everybody. Happy. Thank you. Pleasure.